Hey now, what's going on? Welcome to another episode of Pizza Punk. My name is Jeff. You know this already. Um, we have such an awesome show for you tonight. I'm really stoked about tonight's show. Um, both both of our guests are doing really, really, really cool things. And before I bring them out, we're going to bring them out in a minute. I just want to let you know uh, because it's very, it's very centered around this episode the leaving pizza punk episode is live for the patreons and for the youtube members so if you're a youtube member of patreon go check out the leaving episode of pizza punk it was an honor an honor to get to talk to this punk icon legend uh to interview him and uh to hear just just to hear about all all his whole career it was really really great so check that out. That'll eventually be available on the channel, like openly, but just not yet. Not for a little while. Got some more uh, treats coming up. Got some great episodes. A another thing that we also need to take a quick moment. Uh, we're going to do a proper tribute tomorrow. If I didn't have this show booked, we would be doing a whole tribute episode to Howie Pyro of, um, I mean, Howie Pyro, the, the friggin' punk renaissance man. He's done everything. He's managed clubs, bass playing musician, um, uh, collector, author, uh, just, you know, everybody who knew him seemed to love him. I got to meet him a couple of times. I interviewed him for the doc, um, for the Lodi doc project. Uh, and he, ju I'm just so, I'm so sad for his, uh, friends and family, um, that have lost him. So we're going to actually do an entire sort of celebration of his life tomorrow. We're going to learn more about Howie and just sort of, uh, 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 learn more about his remarkable life. I, I describe him as sort of like a, he's like a punk rock Forrest Gump, like, you know, being happening to be, you know, just hanging out with like Sid Vicious the night before he died, like all sorts of crazy stuff. Um, and it's the, the the biggest crime of all is that Howie never wrote a book about his life. I don't think uh, maybe he started on one, but um, and if he did, I hope it comes out someday. But as far as I know, there's nothing on the books. So we're going to we're going to tackle that tomorrow. So so stay tuned. But in the meantime, what's up, Room Org? Uh, but in the meantime, let me bring out my guests. They've been waiting here. I'll just pop. We're going to pop them both out at the same time. Ready? I'm going to do a little sound effect when I do it. There's one. And there's two. But we hate the setup. Let's do this. Uh, I'd like to welcome uh, Robert and Jason to the show. Welcome, guys. Thanks for having us. How you guys doing? Living the dream. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, Robert, can you talk again? I don't think I can hear you. Oh, um, Robert's sorry. There he is. There he is. I have a oh, major no. crazy oh, echo going on. Hold on. All right. I muted. I, sorry, Robert. I muted you for a minute. Figure out the echo. Give me a thumbs up when you're, when you're echoless here. Let's see. And we'll, uh, that oh, I got, whoa, 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 whoa. That's weird. Got a weird echo situation going on. Um, maybe, uh, you know, Robert, I'm going to kick you out. I'm just going to kick you out. You come back in. All right. I'm going to boot him real quick. Um, all right. Robert is going to come right back into the chat. Don't worry. This happens all the time on the show. We're constantly, it wouldn't be a show if there weren't say. some sort yeah, if there wasn't some sort of technical difficulties, but let's, while we're waiting for Robert to come back into the show, what do we have behind you? 
Jason, we have some interesting things. What's going on back here? So right, right here is a cotton candy cocoon from Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Yes. Uh, and then I actually have, I'm sorry to like adjust, but I have like a whole wall of masks. Oh, wow. I've got two. Those are gorgeous. Stuff. You yeah. got the bad taste mask. Hold on. Put that back up. Oh, okay. 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 We got the bad taste mask. We got a scream mask. Um, looks like we got maybe some, oh, we got a killer clowns mask. We have, are any of those Nightmare Before Christmas? No, I have, uh, there's Captain Spaulding. There's the season okay. witch mask. Yeah, the one in the is. middle is a Sam mask that I actually made, like the burlap. Oh, wow. You got a yeah. baby? It's, and- it's the baby from uh, from Happy Death Day. Oh, cool. Okay, cool. And it's is that, all horror masks for is sure. that straight edge kegger? The the pig mask? Is that a pig mask from straight edge kegger on the wall? Mm, uh, no, I don't even know what you're talking about right now, but no, nope. I don't know what I'm talking about. I know either. the mask you're talking about, but I don't have that up there now. Okay. Robert's back. Let's see. Let's bring him back in. Hey, right. I figured it out. It was me. Yes. <laughs> He's back. <laughs> Welcome. That's okay. That's okay. Um, all right. Let's let's do let's do a little sort of introduction here before we we launch out. Robert, tell yes. us a little bit about who you are. You have okay. You have a really cool company that makes all sorts of really cool shit. But well, what's but what's interesting is it. I didn't really you know at first I thought it was just like an apparel company, but you are also a record label. And that is like a whole other like aspect of your business. So tell me about how you like, how did this all come about? How did you, how did you come, how did you come about uh, doing this? Okay. It's a long story, but I used to work at SST records back in the nineties. Oh, so wow. I worked oh. For <laughs> uh, SST records. Oh my God. I have questions for you. Yeah. Holy for sure. shit. <laughs> and then I went after SST, I actually went to Epitaph records for almost a year. Um, what year was that? And what year was uh, that? 96. So you were there when all the punkoramas were being churned out. And the offspring were on the radio and all oh that. Oh my crap. God, that is friggin' fucking cool. Pretty, Holy shit. Pretty, it was an interest, interesting time and, and vastly different companies, by the way. Yeah. Like vastly different. Companies. I can only imagine. I can we could literally do a whole podcast about that alone. That's amazing. Um, just to give you an example, SST, I was working on a telephone and a Rolodex. And Epitaph, I was working on a full computer, and people were drinking vodka in the office. It was, like, totally crazy, wild, wacky time. Um, wow. Yeah, it was interesting, to say the that, least. That is interesting. Um, and then what happened? Um, I left, and I started a company with uh, a guy named Dave Nasworthy, who used to be in Chemical People and Down by Law. Okay. Um, we started okay. printing T-shirts for Face to Face and a bunch of other bands that kind of blew up later on called chaser. And then hmm. uh, we did chaser for a few years. It got decent size. And then uh, we sold it to um, another firm that was one of our printers. And then uh, we, I stayed on and we were a $75 million company and uh, chaser wow. still exists today. You can go buy it at uh, Bloomingdale's and Nordstrom's and all these kind of brands so anyway it's uh and then what led to adam age um i was kind of doing just little goofy stuff out of my garage um and then i started working with lee with fear 
and uh, Lee kind of had this giant treasure trove of stuff and he wasn't really taking advantage of it. And I was telling him, hey man, you know, we should probably start releasing some of these records and recordings that you have floating around. And so I got to pillage the vault and, wow, you know, started working from there. And uh, I just found some amazing stuff and we can go into that in the show. But uh, it's really, um, it's been a fun ride and I, I really, it's what I love to do. I enjoy it immensely. Um, let me further press you for a moment, if I may. So uh, you were, wait, so this is crazy. So you worked at SST in the 90s? Yes, sir. Dukowski is still there. No, not well. He's there then. He's not there anymore, but he was no, there. No, yes, I know. That, that I know. He was an owner wow. of SST with Greg. Till 89. Then, yeah, Greg bought him out. And then he was still right. there until, I want to say, 99, 2000. Yeah. 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 Wow. That is, that is, uh, that is really powerful. And then, you know, I, I listened to all the bands on, on, on Epitaph, but like those Punkoramas were amazing for a few reasons. Uh, Jason, I don't know if you can relate to this, if you were a Punkorama kid the way I was, but it's like for five ninety nine, you got 25 bands and that's how I literally discovered all those bands. I know all of those bands because of those Punkoramas. Yeah, well, what's even funnier is the Punkorama, that whole style of putting a bunch of bands on a CD was basically an SST thing called the Godhead uh, Airplay CD. So they used to send them out really? to stores for free. Yeah, and you can find them on eBay and stuff. Um, but anyway, SST used to do that stuff, and they used to do the little mail order pamphlets and the records way before Epitaph did any of that stuff. So it was it was like... A, you know, they were kind of just taking everything SST was doing marketing wise and kind of right. just put their shine on it and made it, you know, the Punkaramas and that kind of thing. So it was an interesting stuff Be working at both labels. I got to see how, you know, things are done. Um, I have John of uh, John of Doom, as I call him. You know yeah. him by a different name. Uh, Ryan, Evil High. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, I call him John of Doom. There's John of Steel and John of Doom. And he oh, says, yeah, Robert and I go. That's great. Yep, they're going to be on Pizza Punk next week, and, and oh, he very says, cool. uh, He says Robert and I go way back. Hey, Robert, so he's saying hello. John is awesome, like family. John is awesome. We love John here. He's been a, a, a champion of the channel and just an awesome, awesome dude. Um, Jason, what is your? Do you have a favorite Punkorama? Are you like? I don't do remember what number it would have been. I know it was green. Like the actual mm. disc was green, and I know it had. That's the first one. That's the first was it one. The very first one. I think so. It it definitely had uh, a Distillers song on it. Gosh, it's been so long. It definitely. No, had... that's Punkorama Nine. Okay, there Holy we go. Yeah, yeah. I, knew, I thought it was a later one. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. a super later one. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think that was the first one I ever got. It was like a hand me down. So. And it was a D. It had a DVD too. Yeah. Yep. That was the they one. Had a DVD. They yeah. started putting the DVDs on there. I I got off the Punkorama train in two thousand one with Punkorama six, which had the uh, the the Stanley Kubrick uh, two thousand one. The apes, the apes were on the cover, and uh, yeah, I just love Punkorama. Sorry, it's <laughs> an excuse to talk about Punkorama for a minute. Um, Jason, uh, let's let's jump over to you. This is going to be fun. We're just going to jump around because that's what we do, like House of Pain. Um, Jason, okay, so Jason and I were just talking briefly off there, and I have to publicly admit that I am an airhead dunce, 
and that Jason and I actually go way, way back. Way back. Like way back. And I just didn't realize how far we had gone back. And meanwhile, I'm seeing him kind of like rise up in the indie horror community doing like great things. He's got, he made this film straight edge kegger. It's on shutter right now. Everybody should go watch it. I did a review of it actually for this channel. Go check it out. Go, go check out uh straight edge kegger. Um, uh, great poster design too, as well. I think, is that sadist, sadist, sadist designs? Uh, yeah. Sadist art designs. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. They do good work. They, 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 they're the, they're kind of like the bread and butter right now. Everybody likes going to them. Um, but Jason, was telling me so jason's friends shout out to our mutual friend elliot abel yes. who has who also should come on this show at some point in the future um he he was he went to high school with jason right yep you yeah. you, you you tell the story jason what what yeah. happened well yeah so elliot and i go uh way back we used to shoot a bunch of dumb little shorts and work on like zombie movies and stuff together. A lot of stuff that we never released. We just did for fun. Um, so we've stayed friends, uh, luckily. And he went to Columbia college in Chicago, which is also where Jeff went. So I would go up and visit him and my girlfriend at the time. Um, and I just, dude, I, I gotta, I gotta be honest. I remember meeting you and thinking you were like the coolest fucking dude <laughs> I had ever met. Like when I walked up to you, you just had Stop. this, you had a leather jacket on yes. and like your facial hair, everything about you. I was like, this dude's fucking rad. And I, if I remember correctly, you have a Misfits Crimson Ghost tattoo on your arm? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So as soon as I saw that, like, <laughs> you put off the jacket, I saw that and I was like, simpatico, yeah. So, Dude, this is so, okay, this is so funny because Jason, you know, I, I said, Robert, you got to come on the show. Because I just figured you'd make it for a great guest and just would like to have him on the show. And and Robert was like, Hey, you know, Jason should come too. I was like, Great. So he put Jason in the in the in the email. And then Jason goes, Oh yeah, the doorman, which is a a, a, a short mock grindhouse trailer that I had made in college with Elliot that I yep. submitted to MTV. It won a contest. It was on MTVU, which in 2007 was a was a big deal. Now, nowadays, I mean, now it'd be, now it doesn't matter at all, but like <laughs> back then that was like, kind of like a, like, that was a pretty cool thing. That was a pretty nice feather. Uh, if I blow any more smoke up my ass, but, um, what was so funny was he's like, yeah, I got the doorman. I'm like, how the fuck does this guy have the door? Why does he have the doorman? Like, I mean, that's cool. I'm like, Elliot must've given him the doorman. Cause Elliot's like that. Elliot's like, you know, he wants to like turn people on to stuff and share stuff. He's really cool like that. And um, he made a really cool documentary about where you guys are from. I've been there. I've been to the concrete sea junk uh, yeah, underwater. Birdland. Bird Bird, yeah, whatever it's called. And yeah. we, we shot Elliot's project there. Point being, point being, um, it was just funny that I didn't realize that uh, Jason and I had gone way back. And I was thinking, I was like, oh, this guy's awesome, man. Freaking made this uh, straight edge kegger movie. Got it on Shudder. Um, and now uh, can we like we can officially I mean, there was like a Rolling Stone article about it, right? Like we could like talk about this. It's not like some because uh, when I spoke to Lee, he was very uh, uh, codified. He was a little <laughs> codified about it. So I wasn't sure uh, uh, what exactly uh, could be discussed. But Jason is the director of the new Leaving Fear documentary that is coming out. And Robert is the producer. And that's why they're both on the show to talk about that as well as stuff. So friggin' congrats. And tell me, 
So when, where does your filmmaking journey begin? Oh God. That's <laughs> how much time do we fucking give, have? Give me uh, a, do it. Do what Robert did. Give us a trunk. Yeah. So we can just keep moving. We're just going to keep moving and grooving. Yeah. Get- so, so I, I mean, I grew up, um, you know, watching the CKY videos and skate videos and stuff. And so we just started filming and editing things to music that we had no rights to use, you know, (laughs) and it just slowly kind of snowballed upwards. And like, when I got into a film program, I didn't like what they were doing. They were, they were just basically filming live events like football games and I wanted to make movies. So I thought, what do I have at my disposal? And it was all this like jackass ripoff kind of stuff. So we made a mockumentary, not a documentary, but similar. We made a mockumentary about my suicide. So I'm dead before the movie starts. And it's about this guy trying to discover why I killed myself and about a struggling artist, yada, yada. So we just sort of, we made that whole feature for a thousand dollars. And so, yeah. And so then the next movie was like kind of a reaction to that because it, it was so hard to make that feature out of nothing that we were like, all right, let's do a short. And then that short spawned an anthology. And then again, like straight edge kegger was kind of a reaction to that where I'm like, okay, I don't really want to just do these episodic things. I want to really take a shot. So it's weird. Like I've made three features, but I really feel like straight edge kegger is kind of my first narrative feature, you know? So. Now, no, but you had also, done, there was a short version of straight edge kegger before the long version. Yeah, that's true. And that that really it's a very dumb reason that I did that, that mock trailer idea. It was really just to like plant a flag on the hill and say, like, yeah. this is our idea, because we kept coming up with things that like but we have no money. So by the time we get done, someone else has already done it. So like mm-hmm. we made that first film called When I Die. And like three quarters of the way through, somebody else with more money released a film that's about somebody's suicide. And they're like going through their high school filming, telling people that the project's about them committing suicide. Isn't that frustrating when that happens? Yeah. It's so yeah. frustrating. And then, and then the next one that was an anthology, we were like calling it the return of VHS horror. And it was like before this VHS <laughs> craze hit. And then, and then three quarters of the way through, the movie VHS came out. And I was like, fuck me. So then... Uh. So when we came up with Straight Edge Kegger, I was like, okay, we need to do something quick because if I don't do it, something similar is going to come out, you know? Right, That's right. And man, it was great. And I believe it got pressed too. I feel like it was, I feel like Elliot had showed me something and then I remember seeing something about it. So I was like, oh, oh it's Elliot. That's awesome, dude. Like, that's super awesome. Um and then, yeah, it just, it just friggin' dude, it snowballed. It start went, you went to nightmares. You went to genre blast and we're, we're kind of like, there's like this indie horror community, mm-hmm. uh, full of, uh, uh, like-minded filmmakers all putting out just, um, uh, just these small contained, uh, horror films, not small, not contained, but you know what I mean? Like, it's just, yeah. it's like a small pool, but, um, really fun, vibrant film community. Um, mm-hmm. To an extent, a lot of. I mean, lot like, of... I I grew up valuing DIY, so like that's right. you know whether it's creating music or screen printing your own T-shirts or making films, like it doesn't really matter. That's yep. I mean, at the core, that's why our our logo is like a mohawk logo, is because like I may not always make movies about punks. The next one that I hope to make certainly isn't, but well, this doc is, but, but the next narrative feature is not about punks, but like that DIY ethos is what I think I value the most, you know? 
Um, I'm going to, I'm going to put a pin in you right there because I want to ask you both the question. This is the thesis question of the show. I asked this to all of my guests here on, uh, pizza punk and, uh, Lee, uh, leaving's answer is the greatest answer ever. And when the, uh, when it gets, when the episode is made public, uh, I think everybody will really enjoy what he says, how he says it and whatnot. Um, but the question is, is pizza punk? And if it is punk, why is it punk? If it's not punk, why is it not punk? This is a very subjective question. Whatever you say is going to be the right answer. There's no right or wrong way. Just like when you're creating stuff, there's no right or wrong way to create something. Just create it. So go ahead. Whoever wants to go first. Jason, you go. I Darren, I was about to say the same thing. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, so yes, I think that pizza is punk. Uh, I guess for me, it's probably like the communal aspect of it and the fact that it's very cheap and you can even, you know, you could customize it. You can make these things on your own um, and have a lot of fun with it. You'd be creative. Like, I think a lot of punks wind up working pizza jobs. I was a pizza delivery driver for 10 years off and on. So, see, so yeah, fuck yeah. I think pizza is punk. I like it. I like it. Robert? I think it is also because it was originated with the working class against the, uh, it was the leftovers from the rich people. So they would take all the ingredients and they would make pizza, you know, from those ingredients. So I think it was the working man's um, food. And hmm. I've actually been to Italy and, and uh, had it. And it's, it's, it's way different there than it is in New York or California like or Napolitan style. Yeah. Margarita pizza, oh, the, the queen. It's, good. it's named after the queen of, of Italy and all that good stuff. But yeah, it's uh, I think it's the working man's food for sure. Uh, I just want to say, um, I know that Jason is a Chicago man, but I just have to admit that, Chicago pizza is not Get the well. <laughs> I had to break a little balls. I had to break a little balls. It's 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 deep dish casserole is is the way I look at the the upside down. I lived in Chicago for three years. Everyone's like, "Bro, this pizza's great." I'm like, I'm just like you know a New York snob about my pizza. Um, I, I will say Demos Pizza, it's now Ian's Pizza, or no, no, it's Demos now, but it used to be Ian's Pizza over by Clark. I used to live off uh, North Seminary, off the Bel off the Belmont Red Line, and Demos Pizza is like really, really good Chicago pizza. I will recommend, yeah. if you're in Chicago, go to Demos. They got the macaroni and cheese slice. They do the Smokey and the Bandit. They make their own root beer, and you just can't go wrong with Demos Pizza. It's no Lodi pizza, though. Ah, Lodi pizza is a good pizza too. Um, we, we did a little, we did a little Jersey pizza tour. Actually, we, we, uh, we brought Joey Ramone a slice of pizza and left it by his grave. Awesome. Um, just out of respect since it was right there, right next to Lodi pizza. Um, but yeah, no, those are, I love, I love both of these answers. Napolitan pizza is like my favorite style of pizza, by the way. I like a high gluten crust. Um, we really don't talk much about pizza on the show unless it was the first show we did with Paris of the Cro-Mags. We talked a lot about pizza. We were eating pizza as we were talking, and it was really hard to do the show because we were like, pizza. so um, now we just talk about anything.
still ask that question. I actually, I actually have a weird pizza tie-in that I didn't think I was going to talk about, but I, I went Please. to a film, I went to a film festival called Crimson Screen, which is amazing. Mm. Uh, but PJ Souls was their guest uh, the year that I went, and she received like a lifetime achievement kind of trophy. Um, but she had a Q and A, and I was like, "Hey, uh, I love Rock and Roll High School. I'm a huge Ramones fan." any chance you have a story that maybe we haven't heard before. And she, it took her a minute. And then she was like, you know what? I do have something weird. She's like, I had a big Thanksgiving meal for them. And they came over and like, I had this huge thing planned out and I went, you know, through everything. And it was, it was immaculately put together and they didn't want to eat anything. And instead they ordered pizza. Stop it. <laughs> I swear. That was that is so un- what an on brand Ramones thing to do. Hey, yeah. pizza. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, let's talk let's talk a little bit about the project, the big project, and however you guys want to, you know, dish that out. Please tell me about this, the genesis or how this all came to be. I think that's a Robert start. So <laughs> Um, a lot of people don't know this, but I did a black flag documentary that never got finished. Stop. Um, yeah. I've got a, I've got hours and hours of footage with a bunch of different band members. And, uh, mm. I used to work at SST. So I called Greg Ginn and I was like, Hey man, I want to do this film. And he was like, okay, you know, cool. But then he never put anything in writing. And so I shot a bunch yeah. of interviews cause I'm friendly with Robo and, you know, a bunch of other people from the band Kira and, Chuck and anyway, um, I filmed hours and hours of interviews, um, and then uh, just didn't I didn't get the music rights. I couldn't get them. Greg wouldn't give them to me, so um, I kind of aborted everything. Um, and then um, I've always wanted to make a, a rock doc. Um, so anyway, I started working with Lee, and then I w- eventually, when I started working with Lee, I was just the merch guy, and then I got more and more involved as we progressed. And then um, he owned, at the time, he owned everything but the first record. So I was like, well, that's pretty good. Like, let's try to think about doing a documentary. And he was like, I don't know. Like, but there's so many great stories inside of this documentary. I mean, they've had this, I think it's just luck. They've just had some serious great luck, starting with John Belushi and right. the Spiris and just all these things happening for, for fear. So anyway, um, come 2022, we regained the rights to the first album back March 1st. So now we own everything fear. Um, wow. Yeah, we got it back from Warner <laughs> Brothers on March 1st. So um, we now have basically everything but the interview footage, which we have yet to shoot. We have one interview, but I don't know if we're going to use it or not. But um, anyway, <laughs> so we have basically everything that you know, documentaries spend thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars of clearances for. Yeah. They have at our disposal. And then uh, Jason and I have been going through and converting all of Lee's old video cassettes and giant master tapes of all these uh, television broadcasts. Pneumatic, pneumatic yeah, tape. Pneumatic. Yeah, I had to send, oh, I was gonna send one to Lodi to get it converted, but the local TV station here did it for free, which is great. Um, so can anyway, you explain, can you quick, very quickly explain for our audience or for whoever watches this in the future, what it, what exactly is Umatic tape compared to like Betamax or VHS tape? It's, it's basically a giant um, old format that they used to use in the 70s and 80s. That's it's the size of 
three VHS tapes, or Jason will give you more info on that. But it's it's a giant old uh, format tape that they used to use for broadcasting back in the old days. If you ever see old videos where like you know somebody died in a car crash or something, and the news cameras are there, they have these giant cameras, and the reason why they're so giant is because they have this big giant video cassette inside the camera. So anyway, it's a news format they used to use for many higher years. resolution than VHS. Higher than VHS or beta. Even um, beta. Yeah, even beta. Wow. So anyway. Um, so yeah, we had to convert a bunch of that crap. And uh, anyway, yeah, like I said, Lee has been preserving things throughout his career, but he never really did much with it. He just kind of had it sitting in boxes. So I've been fortunate enough to go through and archive everything and I'm so digitize it. That's so awesome, yeah, dude. Yeah, I, you have no idea when how you have that cooperation. The cooperation is so amazing. Well, at first I was afraid to even ask him about it because, you know, he's leaving. Like, you know, he's, he's you think he's going to be this difficult guy, but, you know, public leaving and personal leaving are, are two different people kind of. And uh, luckily I, I, I'm, been friendly with both and uh yeah he was just like that stuff's all old you know why do you want to what do you want to do what do you want to do anything with that for you know when it's like it's everything that everybody wanted to hear or wants to hear that never got used um so anyway yeah i've had a blast archiving it getting it you, you showed him the vision he didn't have a vision for that footage well the first you said thing, lee we could do this the real first project we did we did a fear fuck christmas crew neck sweatshirt it's, it was a fake christmas sweatshirt <laughs> that was the first one of the first Adam Age products. Anyway, we put it up and it sold like 850 of them just like immediately. It was like really the craziest thing I've ever seen. And then we did the first Paradise Sessions seven inch record. And I'm like, yeah, this thing's probably going to do a couple hundred pieces. It was like 400 pieces just immediately, like within 10 minutes. It was crazy. Wow. We were sold out in 10 minutes. Yeah, it was like, what? And I was just blown away at the response. The The fans really love Lee and the band. And, and you know, I, I want to really preserve that legacy because Lee's got grandkids. You know, I want to make sure that they have all of that, you know, of their grandfather preserved and preserved for generations to come. You know, I think it's important to a lot of people. That's it amazing. Growing right? up. He's a great, he's a grandfather that like blows my mind. Yeah. That it's like, like I said, you know, there's, there's public Lee and there's, personally and um it's just really cool to see both sides you know uh, wow but anyway yeah i really uh have enjoyed working and archiving all this stuff there's like thousands and thousands of hours of audio and uh you know video too there's quite a bit of video too they were on dick clark american top 40 and they were on all these years yeah absolutely new wave theater so we in mm -hmm. in transferring all these tapes we found an unaired episode of new wave theater that's never been released to the public dude you have yeah. unreleased friggin live footage yeah it's like, like in the studio like live in the studio oh, footage. Yeah. that never came yeah, out yeah. never hit the never hit the marketplace this is a home run like this is a home run like i hope so <laughs> oh it's, yeah, it's yeah, a home run us, man it's a home run man it, you guys have a home run i'll tell you I just had my friend Kevin on. Shout out to Kevin. He's doing a documentary about a band called Haunted Garage. I don't know oh, yeah. Dookie Flyswatter. Yes. 
yep. he's doing the Dookie Fly Swatter documentary. And I said to him the same thing. I said it was a home run. It was a home run for three reasons. One, you have a wealth of material, of archival material like you guys have. Two, you have unfettered cooperative access. And you've already experienced what that's like working with Greg Ginn and not having that access. And I'll tell you, I've definitely also experienced these things in various ways that I won't talk about right now. Um, but that uh, and three and three, um, he, I said to him, I was like, you have something that's really out of the box. It's like the de remember the death, the band called death documentary, that's my favorite that rock documentary ever made. Dude, it exploded. It exploded. It hit all. It was a human interest story. So he had a human interest story. And I was like, all, all of those things, as you were talking just now, Robert, I was thinking in my head, I was like, the a leaving documentary has all of those things and more because it's like fear. Like it's a well, home run. He's it's also an accomplished run. actor too. And been in yes. these major movies. He's the bad guy in flash dance and dudes. He's yeah, in dudes. dudes. Great. Yeah. Like I watched dudes in the eighties and I was like, <laughs> Leaving is a dick, you know, like, yeah, like he killed like, Flea. He killed Flea. You know, just he he played such a great great bad, bad guy. guy. Yeah. Great bad guy. Anybody yeah. that makes you go, that guy's a dick. Like your guy in, in Straight Edge Kegger, who's the antagonist, is such a great actor. That guy is so awesome. I think I've Ooh, even told him. Yeah. yeah. That guy yeah. can act. I mean, he can really do a good bad guy. And I, I hope that guy is successful as an actor because he really is really good at it. Um, so. Get crazy too. Leaving is in get crazy. And I asked him about that. Okay. And he didn't, he was just like, yeah, get crazy. Like he didn't really, I don't, he didn't really want to talk about it, but like, like, I mean, get crazy is like a crazy friggin' movie. Like it's a really crazy Lou Reed is in this movie too. Yep. Like it has no, Lou Reed out. and leaving. Yeah. yeah. Just so many people are in that movie. Quick so anecdote good. there with Malcolm McDowell. I was at a, a, a horror convention called mad monster in Phoenix and Malcolm McDowell is around the corner from me. And I'm like, oh, get crazy. So I took him a fear seven inch. And he was like, you know, leaving. Like, he was <laughs> like it was like, that guy is wild. You know Stanley Kubrick? Yeah. No, he was like, I mean, it was insane. He was just like, he was treating me like a rock star because I, I was working with Lee. And I gave him That's a neighbor awesome. seven inch and he was just blown away. He was just like, Lee is the coolest guy ever. So I gave him Lee's number and, and he gave me his phone number to give to Lee and stuff. It was really cool to reconnect those guys. But yeah, the, the, uh, the get crazy stories I've heard have been pretty interesting for sure. Ah, Oh, that's, that's, that's good to know. That's good to hear. Um, so you've, you've conducted one interview thus far. You've been doing a lot of digitization and what people don't realize, like making a documentary is not like making like a narrative film where you could shoot a narrative film in 10 days. You know, if you're making an, a documentary with archival material and you're doing it the, like, I guess the right, right way, I guess the right, right way is you're supposed to transcribe everything, but like, who has time to transcribe everything? Maybe if I had a couple of like uh, interns lying around to do that. And I did do that. I did that on a documentary. Uh, I don't know if that, uh, Jason, did you know about the uh, back in Chicago, there was a documentary, the dead on life and times of george romero which has still never been released and i was a transcriber and the first thing i transcribed was the glenn danzig interview it was like a uh really really long never been released interview i still have the transcript though somewhere i gotta find some of my files um but it it's just making a documentary can be an arduous long process you have to know the material inside and out then you have to find the story 
within the material, then you want to have to weave interviews in. And there's no right, there's no wrong or right way to skin a cat either. Like it can be done any which way. Have you guys talked about the your attack, or are you still just like in that? Pro- are you just like purely in the process of getting your materials up to snuff for the next step? I mean, it's, it's definitely been mostly pre-production, you know, and like compiling, you know, digitizing all this stuff, which has been a fucking blast. But, um, you know, I, I've started to kind of create a structure, you know, I edit as I go and I've already mm. got, I've already like, it's funny because I already have a timeline and I even space it out That's with like a, like a rough 90 minute. I know for a fact, the very last clip that we're going to use in the entire movie that leads into the end credits i have certain things like that i know things that i want to pull from the story but i'm kind of hesitant to even talk to like robert about it because i because i do just want to see what happens organically and i you know i'm gonna try to to poke the bear a little bit and see (laughs) some of the shit that i can i can pull oh but ultimately like you said it's like it's not something that we could like map out super easy we, we kind of have to see where it goes and it's also you know robert can probably speak to this a little bit better than i can but we're not really sure uh in terms of like the footage we have access to a lot of footage but we also have basically no money i hope he doesn't mind me saying that and we're and we're gonna try to get funds uh to support it because there's <laughs> definitely stuff where like it can cost seven thousand dollars a minute a minute so suddenly a thing that I like, I know how I picture it working in my head. If we can't get this person that I want to tell the story and I'm not going to name drop, but I have a, I have a couple people that I'm like, I want that person to tell this story. I want to use this footage. But if suddenly we had, we don't have access to those things, then we pivot, you know, you just right. keep working with what you do have. And that's something be like else. water. got to be like water. Exactly. Exactly. Just yeah. go with the flow. I, you know, it's funny. It's funny. It really is kind of like uh, it's like a block of marble almost. And that whole adage about like finding the thing inside of the block of marble that it it exists there and you just have to slowly chip away at different angles and different ways and in different sort of, uh, um, you know, uh, and, and just try and try and take this massive sort of cohesive thing and just shape it down until what it's uh, what it is supposed to be. Um, Are you planning on, it sounds like you're that this is mostly going to be archive or at least is it going to be like archivally like focused or are you planning on like putting your feelers out and trying to get anybody you can to uh, speak in the doc as well? Yeah, we, I hope you don't mind Robert, if you want to go, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, we we want to pull in a lot of people. Um, but I know Robert, when we talked last time about this, he seemed, um, I guess, excited or passionate about bringing in people that are usually kind of sidelined when it comes to these things. Like, there are a lot of punk docs where like the same four or five people seem to be interviewed in those. And he, he knows this stuff inside and out. So I'm actually kind of, it's really nice because... I know quite a bit, but I know kind of from my perspective, whereas he's, he knows a lot of people that I don't know. He knows a lot of stories that I don't know. So it's, it's pretty fun to, to be working together on this thing uh, instead of just, you know, 
coming up with it on my own. How did you two meet in the first place? Uh, you want to go? Go ahead. So you ordered something from me, correct? Well, yeah, I ordered. Yeah, yeah, I ordered something from you a long time ago. The first thing that I remember ordering, and I just got it yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, no. Uh, I bought the. uh, You brought it up, Robert. You were the. I bought. I bought the uh, the neighbor's seven inch. That was. Oh. I think that was the first thing that I bought from Adam Age, but um, but then actually we met at a convention in Chicago. In Chicago. Um, because I was doing my rounds and I had a table there for our distributor, but I was doing, making the rounds and I didn't find much that I wanted, except I saw two really cool repo man shirts. So I went to buy repo man for me and my buddy Alex. And so we started chatting punk and horror a little bit. And Robert told me that he had just watched one on shutter and it turned out to be straight edge kegger. That's so amazing. Yeah. So we just started chatting about that and the fact that I kept my merchandising rights. So um, so Adam Age also just put out two different t-shirts and they're pressing the soundtrack to vinyl and CD. So um, congrats and all of that stuff, guys. Every, listen, everything we're talking about is all the links for these guys are in the description of this video. Go check out Adam Age. Check out some of the stuff. And I'll tell you. Adam Age ha- has put out some really cool T-shirts as of recent. I was shocked, Robert. You are doing the Meet the Feebles line, and I am like a Meet the Feebles nut, like nice. beyond a nut. It's like my favorite. It's uh, you know I'm on Letterbox. That's in my top four. Yeah. Okay, that's I like got one, one like- leg missing. How do we get around? Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, and. I'm like, I'm like literally dying. Like now that I see you have the Beatles up on your wall, get back has just come out. Freaking Peter Jack. I'm a ginormous, as much as I love the misfits. I think I know as much about the beat. Like I know even more about the Beatles. I love the the Beatles. Here, I'll show you. This one's actually signed by all of them. What? 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 Uh, So I don't know how well you can see it, but yeah, it's sharp. It's signed an old uh, Mark's a lot pin. <laughs> He's got them signed by all the Beatles, dude. Yeah. Well, there's a few of them up here that are signed by everybody. But yeah. Oh my yeah. God. Now well, let's stay. That is n- okay. That is nuts, man. That it's is pretty crazy. Nuts. That's so pretty crazy. I but, got but Peter these- Jackson. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. What are you gonna say? I, I say I got all the. I got a bunch of stuff from this guy who was. Sell- he used to work at EMI in the UK, mm. and. Uh, he had cancer. And so he like was having this big blowout of all these uh, sleeves and he was a promo guy for EMI. So he had like wow. years and years and years of promo items. And I was like, uh, I was in a good, good financial shape at the time. I was like, yeah, let's do it. So I bought a bunch of stuff. From unreal him. dude. That is an unreal piece. And let me tell you, so I mean like two of those guys are not around anymore. I mean like, that's like an incredible, actually, the other two, the, the uh, Paul and Paul and Ringo don't sign autographs. Period. Yeah, they stopped. Yeah, peace and love, peace and love. I'm not signing any more autographs. Like he don't, they don't do it. Well, they used to do it by like mail order. You can send them their stuff. You send them stuff yeah, and they sign it. Return. But I think he'll still happening. sign it if you meet him in in the alleyway or something. Right. You know? Right. Even Paul, Paul doesn't want to take pictures, but like if you meet, he would, Howard Stern was like, could you take a picture with my daughter? Howard fucking Stern. Paul McCurdy's like, no, I don't, I'm not going to do that. He's like, <laughs> not about it. You know? Yeah. Um, 
I listen, if you took pictures with people for 60 years of your career, I think you're allowed to retire. I, I don't. I wouldn't hold it against them. I, I wouldn't I get give it. McCartney any shit or Ringo any shit. I, I think, uh, yeah, they've pretty much earned whatever they want to do. That's fine with me, you know? So I've never seen them live and they're coming. The reason why I've never seen Paul live. And I don't want to say that it's because like, I mean, it has to, it does have to do with money in the sense that whatever seats that I can afford are, I'm going to only be able to afford nosebleeds and the nosebleeds are so far out. I'm like, I just can't wrap my mind around seeing like just doing it i just like i'm just like i always pass it up but this tour that he's doing right now um he's doing a duet with the footage from peter jackson yeah, up on that. the rooftop i can't miss that you better go I will, i'm gonna fucking go to the new yeah. jersey date i have to do it um, i have to do it i saw him maybe 10 years ago at coachella and wow, he was amazing. Like he picked I up a guitar. he usually plays bass, but he picked up a guitar and they played a Hendrix song and he was like nailing the leads and that was like wow. Dude. Like I was and his voice is still perfect. It was like, you know, hmm. as 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 men grow older their voices get deeper. Right. He, oh, he doesn't have yes. that problem, you know, and he he, he nailed everything Dude. perfectly. Yeah. So uh, anyway, yeah, he definitely go because I was just blown away. I have not seen have Ringo play, but uh, I, you know, Ringo, like I love you, Ringo, but like I, you know, I, the, the one I want to see is here's why I want to see Paul McCartney, because even at 80 years old, he does a 36 song set. It's yeah. three hours long. He play, as you said, he plays every single friggin' instrument. He yep. doesn't, he plays what people want to hear. He puts 150% into the show. It's just, the problem is, he only wants to do stadiums and the stadiums. It's like to be all the way up in the, the nosebleeds and pay like $250. I'm just kind of like, I'm like, why not just watch it on YouTube? And yeah. I know that sounds really stupid and shitty, especially for being like a Beatles fan, but like, it's just, I disagree. <laughs> it's like, is the, is the juice really worth the squeeze? Like, right. You can Jason, right. say you were there, but if you didn't feel like you were there, cause yeah, you were I wouldn't there. feel like I was there. That's yeah. my problem. Yeah. You know, I'm the guy who like squeezes by and tries to get as close as I can on, on you know the side of the stage. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Wiggle you my push. way. You push. Front. But uh, I, I, I definitely would go if I were you because he's I'm gonna just do so it. great. Yeah, just I'm going to do, do it, man. I'm going to do it. Uh, let me tell you something. Uh, now, on the flip side, I spent more money than I've ever spent on a ticket to go see the Misfits at Madison Square Garden. Ah. And I was in the pit and I was, I was really close to the stage. And, you know, I felt... I paid a lot of money, but I felt like I was really at that show. I was in the pit. I was, we were all singing our woes and, you know, there's just no greater fraternity than turning to the random guy next to you and just singing, whoa, whoa, whoa. And, um, that felt like that made sense to me to be standing in like a bleacher all the way up as, as Jason said it perfectly. I wouldn't even feel like I was really there. I can't, so it's hard, but I'm, you may, you've, you, I, I'm doing it. It's happening. I'm going to make it happen. So by hook or by crook, I'm going to make well, it happen. You, you can always say too, that you were at that show, you know, like it's, it's a nice, yes. you know, bragging point, even though you are in the nosebleeds or wherever you are, you know, see Paul McCartney and duet with John Lennon, even though he's dead and gone. Like I, that's, I need to be able to say, I saw that live. Yeah. That's, that's, great. I have to, I have to, um, Jason, what is a really cool concert that you have seen 
that just like melted your eyeballs. I mean, you're in Chicago. There's like so much great before pre pre everything, like so much cool shit was rolling through there. Like what is something that you saw that just like melted your face off? Um, that's tough. I've, so I've seen, I've legitimately seen hundreds and hundreds of shows because my dad did some work for the, um, the new world music theater back when it was called that. Now it's cool. I think now it's the first Midwest bank amphitheater or the okay. or something like that. But um, in Tinley Park, Illinois. And so I got to see, like, I saw The Who when I was like, I don't know, nine years old or something. My first concert was Cracker. Um, so I saw The Cracker. Offspring when I was like 11. I've seen all these weird things. And then as I got older, I started going to more like punk and hardcore shows. Um, so I, I guess a few of the highlights, I saw Jay Retard. Um, oh i am so oh my god i am so fucking jealous of you oh yeah so that was pretty cool um wait 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 hold on hold on hold on what year did you see jay if i remember correctly it would be 2005 or 2006 right at the end yeah it was right at the end oh man that's right when he fucking released blood visions my yeah 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 that is that record to me is like okay. First of all, my kids, my three year old daughter, and my son when he was two and a half to three and a half, listening to my shadow on the way, dropping them yeah. off to school every day. Yeah. We didn't call it Jay Retard. We called him JJ because I didn't want the you know just, just yeah, yeah. safe yeah. with the uh, uh, you know going into preschool and being like Jay Retard. Be like, oh uh, wow, how did you hear that? Like what? Yeah. Um, but wow, you saw, I mean, dude, and you know, what's so funny. He, oh, he played all the time. It was always under my nose. I just wasn't into him yet. I yeah, wasn't yeah. into him yet. No, to, to be fair, like mm-hmm. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it, but I, I few years later became obsessed with him. Really? So, yeah. Have you seen his documentary? Better I have not seen movie? the documentary yet, but I have oh, to tell dude. you his band. Okay. Not just Jay himself, but Jay's band, his drummer, for the first uh right he he did he he broke up with that band that backing band right before he died but the but the drummer that he had for all the shows because i think jay played the drums on blood visions the drummer that he had that dude with the long beard that dude was an incredible drummer well he had the tightest band dude the tightest band Mm-hmm. I watched tons of live videos. I have not seen the documentary yet. I want to watch it. It's that. great. It's pretty fascinating because it's like you could tell that it was interrupted by his untimely death. So it's mm. like it's it's interesting because it's like it is a full-length documentary and it's got all these wonderful interview clips, but it's so weird some of the stuff that they choose to use. And I think it's because they ran out of time with him. So they're like, okay, what what do we have? So there's some really weird uh things where like he's just packing up his stuff and talking about how you shouldn't wear shorts on stage (laughs) like and i'm just like i'm like this is exactly what i needed in my life but i didn't realize it so yeah yeah wow that Um, that was a big one um ceremony the first time i saw ceremony was pretty rad because they were transitioning from hardcore to their new wave kind of stuff that they are now um I know that it's probably not cool now, but the first time I saw Leftover Crack, that kind of blew my mind. Um, um, wait, wait, are they not? They're not cool anymore, or something, or something bad? Oh, there's a whole, there's a whole thing. A choking with, victim? Is it like a, like a beef? 
No, it's well. So there's a whole. I don't know if I want to get into it, but there's a whole thing in the he's, news. He's been. He's got controversy. Is what you're yes. trying to get at? Okay, yes. got you. Yeah. I understand. You've got understand. some pretty serious controversy. Okay, right now, okay. So. I get it. I get it. No one. No one judges you for liking left. I mean, listen. Well, music is music. Like at the end of the yeah. day, I. I. You know, it's funny. Sometimes I'll be talking about Johnny Ramone or the Bad Brains on here, and I get like, I, you know, it's funny actually. Nobody bats an eyelash when I talk about Johnny Ramone. But then I bring up the bad brains and it's like the bad brains are like, you know, they're bad brains have their own controversy. Let's just put it that way. And I just don't get it. Like, why is like John? No one acknowledges. I'm like, dude, I talk about Johnny Ramone on this channel all the time because I love Johnny Ramone. because I love the Ramones. But it's like it's like where, where like, why is it that some some are like highlighted and others are like overlooked? It's very interesting to me. I don't know. Yeah. Weird yeah. how that works. Mm-hmm. weird how that works uh yeah. so you saw that was another interesting show that you saw man there used to you had the dumbledore out there that was a cool venue uh the metro is the metro still around the metro is still around i cool. so my big my stomping ground for years was the congress and then me too man i saw the stooges there i saw yeah. danzig there we were probably um, at the same show for both of those were you at the stooges <laughs> hold on did you see yeah. the stooges in 2007 yeah Holy shit. Okay. I was there with, I was there with my dad. I actually okay. you know what though? You know what though? <laughs> what? I definitely 100% I have no idea what show. It could have been one of the indoor riot fest back in the day, but I ran into you at one of those shows at the Congress for a fact. I don't very remember, possible, very I don't possible which one it was, and if I'm being honest, I think we were both under the influence. I was not under <laughs> the influence because I'm sober, but I assure Even you I was sober back then as well. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yes. So I, was, no, I would have been, been sober. Yes. But I, um, I, but okay. First of all, that Stooges show was amazing because I had seen the Stooges in 2004 with the New York dolls reformed as well wow. as uh, the strokes and a bunch of bands on uh, Randall's Island, uh, little Stevens underground rock garage. And I had my tooth knocked out in the middle of the Stooges set uh, during no fun not my whole tooth, but someone punched me in the mouth and my tooth shattered and I kept moshing anyway. I didn't care. I was trying to get on stage during no fun, real cool time. Cause he says, this is not Nazi Germany. Everybody get on the stage. And so I didn't get on. And then he, of course it's like part of their show. So that happens at the Congress. And I'm like, I am getting on that fucking stage. <laughs> and I did. And I jumped on Iggy pops back and I touched his skin and it was like leather. And I was this close to Ron Ashton. And I was this close. Mike Watt doing his Mike Watt, like constipated, taking a dump face, like, <laughs> like while he's playing, you know, and uh, Ron Ashton, like just standing there in awe of these gods and like watching just Ron Ashton. He said, he doesn't want, nobody's jumping on him. He's just standing in the back by his amp, just shredding, st- very stoic, standing still, just shredding. And just being like, you're fucking Ron Ashton. Like, this is the coolest thing ever. But the thing about the Congress that's so cool is that I met so many people that I still know to this day at the Congress Theater. And that's what I, you know, always go to shows by yourself if you can. You'll never know who you meet. I made lifelong friends going to the Congress Theater and meeting people like waiting for like Danzig's tour bus or waiting, like, you know, whatever the situation is, you know, um, it's been a while since I've talked to this girl, but I met a girl there because she lost her wallet in the mosh pit and I wow. found it and before, and I went to the guards and they didn't want to do anything with it at the time. So yeah. then I went to the bar. I wound up giving it to them. I go upstairs 
and I sit down to take a break and a girl is like sad and kind of crying like over a few seats for me. And I went over, I was like, Hey, I'm sorry. I don't want to bother you, but you look kind of familiar to a, an idea I just found. And she's like, Oh my God, it's mine. Wow. And, yeah. And now we we're still <laughs> friends like 10 years later. So Congress is amazing. RIP the Congress. Now, Robert, you have probably seen like a thousand shows that put anything that we said to shame. You've probably seen, I mean, you worked at SST. Like you probably saw, like you've just probably experienced and saw, wait, SST, was that, was it in Texas at the time when you were working there? Where was it? In California? It was in Long Beach. Well, it was, it was in, in Long, right Beach. Long Beach. Yeah. Wow. Um, um, tell us, put us to shame. Sam Hain related. I forgot to tell you, I, I've also shot a documentary uh, the 99 Sam Hain reunion tour that never came out also. What? Yeah. I shot maybe five or six shows and I shot on a video. I, I shot on London's video camera and then I shot, um, I had a super eight film camera. So I filmed Norfolk and a couple other shows in my driving on the super eight handheld uh, film camera. So anyway, I do have the audio for uh, one of the shows Where is it? Uh, from, uh, can we release this too? Can, no. but if you don't mind me asking, if you I'll don't mind me killed. asking, what, what, yes, what, yes, you will get killed. I'll get killed. No. But anyway, I have, I have audio from, um, this was Rhode commissioned Island. by Glenn. No, it was just, you know, being on the tour and hanging out with oh, those guys in London, London had permission to film. Um, but I didn't. Um, but, uh, anyway, I Did shot you shoot interviews. You shot interviews no. as well. No, just just you just shot just uh, live footage and and uh, you know driving and oh that's um, so I cool. did shoot them on I was on stage with my Super Eight camera in Norfolk, so I did shoot film of them playing amazing. Norfolk. But anyway, amazing. It, it never came to fruition, and we all kind of just never really happened. But I I did do something like that. But I, I've seen a bunch of shows. I I've seen the Ramones. I saw Nirvana on the last Nirvana tour. Um, I've seen. Whoa, 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 whoa. That's pretty cool. That's, that's pretty, pretty cool. Huge. You wait, know, it's crazy. It's like, oh, by the way, I saw Nirvana on their last tour anyway. No, wait. So uh, that that's awesome. That was in. Yeah, it was 94? at the San Diego Sports Arena. And uh, I watched the show, and the show was great. But I turned to my friends, and I'm like, he's going to be dead in six months. And sure really? enough, he was dead. No in six months. Wow. He just, like, the show was awesome. He played great. Um, but I could just tell something was wrong. He was there just kind of going through the motions. Um, and I could tell, I was like, he's over it. Like something's up, you know? And, and uh, I told my friends at the time, I'm like, yeah, he's, he'll be dead in six months. Like, and sure enough. Yeah. I was like, that was, I think November or December of 93. And then he died in like April of 94 or something like that. They so. didn't play too many shows in 94, right? Or maybe they were like in Europe and they went then... to Europe and they played with the Buzzcocks. They were playing with the Buzzcocks at the end of their, their European tour. And uh, that's pretty uh, cool. He OD'd in Rome and then uh, it was right. Of, right. Yeah. Right. That there was that OD that was supposedly the first attempt or something. And yeah, well, he, he left a note and they, they saved right. him. So. Right. And, uh, uh, and that was in the news and stuff. I, you know, I saw the Buzzcock. I was, I, I was fortunate enough to see the Buzzcocks at Weber Webster hall oh, nice. in 2017. And I'm just so glad that I did before. So yeah. I've also, Sorry, anyway, I've also yeah. had a chance to photograph a bunch of bands too. And I did shoot the Buzzcocks back in, in 2015 or 2016. That's I got to awesome. shoot, shoot them in the pit and shot the damned and, 
Um, it was a big festival. Fear were on the same festival in uh, San Pedro. I forgot what it was called, but it was a bunch of great bands. And uh, I had a pass, so I just was shooting everybody, and nobody was giving me any shit. So it was great. It's beautiful. But yeah, the Buzzcocks were. I've seen the Buzzcocks maybe like seven or eight times in my wow. Yeah, through my time, all the way back to I think I saw them in '91 or '92 the first time. Um, and the guy from the Smiths was playing the drums at the time. Um, I forgot his name. But anyway, it was it was great to see them with at that point. And, I got to uh, tell you, singles going steady, yeah, is one of the most immaculate records. It's actually a compilation; it's not really a record, but it is top to bottom. Every inch of singles going steady is it's great. Talking about the Beatles once again, like if you just if the Beatles were if if the nineteen sixty four Beatles like came out in like nineteen seventy six it would be like the buzzcocks like yeah, that's what that's literally what it is um sure. and it's just brilliant brilliant yeah so. um who else so, you yeah. seen Any, anybody else um probably my favorite show of all time um elvis costello and he couldn't call it the attractions because the bass player wasn't in it but they had a replacement bass player but anyway i was front row for this year's model at house of blues in la that's pretty um, cool for one of the anniversary and it was just best show i've seen and i was right up front and uh he's just a fantastic player and um i've seen nick Lowe um a few times and he's also really cool and that's kind of the same sound i've seen madness i've seen the specials dude um, madness was supposed to come to new york and it kept getting pushed COVID. back i wanted to see the 40th anniversary of madness yeah i really really wanted to go i want to go to that show if it ever happens I just started working with them on the merch side. Um, and then I still work with the English beat. So wow. we're going to do a madness English beat show at some point. But um, anyway, yeah, I like the old ska and uh, love it. A great live. Yeah. Yeah. Do fantastic. You, do you guys, okay. Are you familiar with these two? By the way, I want to bookmark Elvis Costello. Cause I have a huge recommendation for you. If you already know it, um, the, there are these two guys. They're called the, they're not the maybe they're called the two-tone brothers they're these two english blokes that just dance to like uh what's that what's that song lorraine what's that what's the name of the band who does lorraine bad manners oh, lorraine, yeah. lorraine, uh, lorraine 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 yeah. lorraine and they're these two guys and they're just like they just dance in like this very sort of like it's like they they synchronized in their dancing and it's just really and they're wearing like the two-tone black like suits and everything uh and it's just the it's just the best thing you ever seen you gotta you gotta check those guys out i think they're maybe they're on youtube or something yeah i'll definitely um, check it out they're 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 great you ever see this is england oh, yeah love that whole series not just the first one all the mini series great great series love it big fan big Very big cool. fan um what i was going to say about elvis costello Elvis, again, I'm sorry. This is my third Beatles reference for the episode. Fourth Beatles re reference for the Go episode. For I apologize. Go for it. Show about Pizza Punk. Okay, yeah. Elvis Costello, after John Lennon, Paul McCartney's best writing partner might have been Elvis Costello. Veronica? Um, Veronica is one. There's a, there's about an album's worth of material that wound up on, very, like some of it ended up on Flowers in the Dirt. Some of it ended up on, what's the one with this? Spike. Yeah. Some of it ended up on Spike, which is uh, Elvis Costello's uh, uh, album at the time. This was in like 1989. I can't get over the writing collapse, like the chemistry between Elvis Costello and Paul McCartney is like orgasmic. And it's a crime 
that yeah. they did not put out more stuff. Like they just, they just, they complemented each other so perfectly. Yeah. Oh, I agree. Um, shame. It's a real yeah. shame because I think that uh, I, I always thought Paul should should have done a record with like all the family members like Donnie Harrison and and yeah, Julian like Julian Julian's voice sounds just like John's. I mean, why not, you know, hash out some of those songs that they didn't use back in the 60s, you know, and have Julian sing on it. Um, but yeah, I think Elvis and, and Paul did a great collaborative thing. Oh, it's just it's truly 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 tremendous uh really really um to get back to the meet the feebles merch speaking of beatles and peter jackson whatnot so what so how did you how did you you you, you went to peter jackson you licensed the meet the feebles i went to um wingnut which is the company in new zealand right and the woman that runs wingnut her name is claire olson and she's one of the beatles documentary producers she's the ceo of Wingnut. wow and so wow like, i just <laughs> I just wrote and I'm like, Hey, this, these companies are all knocking your stuff off. Can I like pay you guys for real? And, and oh. like, sure. You know, like, but they, they're actually in the process of um, license or they're restoring all those new movies to 4k. I don't know if you knew this or not, but there's a full Wingnut box set coming out of all these different. I'm so shows. happy. I hope arrow does it. I die. I hope it's arrow. Arrow does a great job and I'm friendly with the people at arrow and they, they do such a great job. Um, they do su- they are the best to me they are the bro- I, if if i had to choose one uh, of the boutique labels to be the criterion it would be arrow my my personal opinion i think right. they are gold standard uh, jason what do you think what what is your do you have a, a bo- boutique label of choice personally so i i do love arrow uh so the only thing with me is uh i've been obsessed with collecting vhs tapes uh yeah you made a Entry called Tapehead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, it's it yeah, it's it actually it fucking worked out because over the pandemic, I got kind of obsessed with the collecting again, and I started learning how to like clean tapes. So then, when Robert sent me all these VHS, some of them actually needed to be kind of like restored before they got transferred. So it was like kismet. But you picked um, a good guy, Robert. You got a good guy. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it just it just fucking worked out. But yeah, no, Arrow's rad. Um, I guess I get more excited about production houses, you know, than on the distribution side. So like A twenty four is kind of my my jam. That's 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 my goal is to one day get to work with them you know mm. yeah did you, have you okay. heard of second sight films out of the uk also uh uh have i heard of second sight hold on one second <laughs> he's gone he's going to get his dawn of the dead box set <laughs> i'm also i'm i'm so bad with names so like we like i know sst and i know epitaph but if you were mm. like this band is on this label <laughs> i wouldn't remember i i knew oh. it i have one of those too he called it. Yeah. I knew it. So, you know, you know, there's a Martin coming out. <laughs> Not, okay. All right. You ready for this shit? Not only is there a motherfucking Martin coming out, but they found Michael Gornick in black and white three hour cut. Fucking three hour cut. So I spoke to John Amplis. Oh, uh, awesome. I interviewed him and uh, it never, I never released it. I actually, I should, I should put that out yeah, on the Patreon. Should. Um, uh, he is a fucking awesome dude, by the way. That's awesome. And, he looks like he would be awesome. Oh, he's a fucking sweetheart. He's so down to earth. And we yeah. chatted about Martin and whatnot. 
And I asked him, I was like, straight up, I was like, dude, is there a three and a half hour cut? Because nobody like, I really, this was 2018. He's like, there's totally, there was, he said there was, it's lost to time. So here's the thing. It's three reels. Nobody's, yeah. he's, they're selling it sight unseen. Here's yeah. the problem though. As you know, Robert and, and Jason, you guys know the business better than anybody. Like just because you own it, you can't do jack shit yeah, with it. Right, you need. Don't. You don't get the rights to it. Fucking that bastard, Ruben Richard Rubenstein. <laughs> Dude, oh. this apparently took a very this the this was an arduous process, but I yes. had to. I've never spent more on a single movie in my entire life, but I had to. I had to have this, and yeah. it was so worth every fucking penny. So at the same show as Malcolm McDowell in Phoenix that I was at, around the corner from me on the other corner was George Romero. And I had Yo. probably the fanboys wet dream conversation with George Romero for about three hours. And I, I, I have a bunch of stuff signed and he was awesome. Romero also, I asked him what happens after Fran and Ken Foree fly off in the helicopter? What happens? And he's like, I don't know. They're, they're <laughs> they make it, you know, but I asked him and I knew, I knew he, he had it in the back of his mind, but he was just like, I don't yeah, know. He didn't want to, yeah, he didn't want he to be didn't that guy. Tell me, but he he was stoked and he was like he he just I think he realized later on that he had a really profound effect on on our generation of oh yeah, you know, fan of film fans because uh anyway, he was he I, that's something I will always remember fondly is how cool he was to me um at that show. And I was just, you know, a vendor around the corner, you know, but I I thought I asked pretty intelligent questions and and uh he 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 was giggling and laughing and having, we were having a good time, but Martin question, was question. His, Martin was his favorite film. Yes, out of all I knew the this. Movies. I knew yeah, this. I knew that Martin was, like was his favorite. Up. And I asked him, um, is Martin really a vampire or is he fucking what, crazy? He didn't you know? tell you that. He, he didn't tell you. Me. Yeah. He wouldn't tell you. But uh, um, I said, I, love Martin, way, dude. Great. I, I really hope that they, I mean, so I don't think they're going to do it because it's going to cost them a billion dollars. That probably cost them half a million dollars to do and they're not gonna they're they're just there's not enough of a, a market for it i have something know. i want to show you real quick hang on okay he's gonna he bring something out and, and when he tell. gets back yes this is a fun show and tell you got the cotton candy cocoons uh i should grab, grab my meet the feebles vhs That's oh it's in like another room where is so. it i don't know oh, if you've seen cool. this or not but this is the japanese blu-ray box set oh um, no i, I got it not. in tokyo a couple years ago but um, it it's it's awesome. They they did That's a great gorgeous, job, man. This is um, going to be outdated. The second sight one is supposed to be amazing. Like I can't wait. I I'm I have to own that too. Yeah. Um. Did when you asked George when you spoke to George, did you ask him about the the death ending or the original ending? So apparently, those reels of that ending were in some box at Laurel Flood, and were destroyed. But they shot. They shot the ending with her, yeah. you know, decapitating herself, yeah. helicopter blades, and uh, Ken blowing his brains out all over. You know, they they did shoot it. They set it up in the movie. If you think about it, the helicopter zombie is is absolutely the, the setup for yeah. That is setting us up for what's going to happen later in the film. Yeah, it totally like the fact that people are like it doesn't exist. Like, of course it exists. It like, it, it has to or exist. It did. It did. Yeah. Or it did exist, and. You know, um, I'll tell you one of the coolest things that Arrow ever did for Creep Show Two was they there was a fourth story, and they made a comic book out mm. of the fourth story 
it's like called pin pals or something. Mm -hmm. And that's why Eros to me stands above the rest. Like for instance, I emailed a small British comic book company about uh, uh, trying to buy a copy of Society 2, the sequel, the comic book sequel to the movie Society by Brian Usna. I know know Brian. I interviewed Brian for three hours and it's still never come out. It's on, I have it ready to go and I'm just an asshole who hasn't put it out yet. Quick, quick side note. I, I was the first yeah. company to ever license Reanimator back in the nineties, and really, Brian, yeah, Brian was like super cool. Uh, uh, he did a movie called sweetheart. The Giver, which is great. Oh, I know The Giver. Like Mark Hamill from Star Wars yep. is The yep. Giver. Screaming Mad George. Yeah, Screaming Mad George. It's yep. really, really cool stuff. Um, but yeah, Brian is awesome. He, and I'm trying um, to do a Society shirt now, but he's there's actually a Society. TV show that they're working on. I, I oh that. oh we spoke well he told me about the sequel. I didn't I didn't um, know about the TV show, but yeah, there's a TV show version. Maybe I hope it has the same elements that he was he was talking about like the idea of the shunt being consensual. And oh. I was like, yeah. like that like freaked me. I was like, a consensual shunt? That's crazy. Yeah. Um he so there was a but but there was a there I I emailed this defunct combo company being like I just want to read the story. Like I will pay whatever I have to pay. This was like years and years and years ago. They're like, they're like, that's really nice of you. Just sit tight because the arrow box set is about to come out. And guess what? We put the fucking comic in the box set. I was like, Uh. I was like, arrow, you are the shit. You are the shit, man. And they did the same thing with reanimator. They had the prequel comic and they had, there were two comics they did. They put in there. Um, just for Bride of Reanimator and the original Reanimator, just phenomenal company, truly. Yeah, Br- sure. Brain damage, the brain damage uh, set they did with the enamel pin of Elmer. Oh my yeah. God. Just heaven, heaven. Um, I'll show you a little bit of how much of a goofy collector I am. There's quite a bit of that. There's nothing goofy about that, sir. Yeah, that's beautiful. I have more in storage. <laughs> that's beautiful. That's the problem. Isn't that the sad? We all have, if you saw over here, I have a display just like Jason's and I have a display just like yours. You can't really see my, my basement is sort of a mess right now, but I have, you know, I've got a couple, oh, yeah. a couple things. I got a lot of return to living dead is like, I, I'm a, I, if when people say, what is your favorite film of all time? Night of living dead hands down. Okay. Yeah. I'm a George, I'm definitely a George Romero ologist. And I can't say it live on the air, but I have a present for both of you that oh. will make both of your toes curl oh, awesome. when we get off the air. A really okay. nice present that I just Very acquired cool. oh, today. Have you seen? And you're going to love it. Hang on. I got one quick last thing on this before we go or before we. I love on. these jaws. It's like Quint in the, <laughs> the scar. <Yes. laughs> We're all showing each other our stuff. Okay. Hang on. Let's see it. I, know, Let's I wish see I was it. in front of my VHS wall now because I have so much shit to pull out. Dudes, friggin' show us something. So I've got something. You know what? I'll be right back. I'll be right back. Come on, okay. come on, go you, get you it. Ready? Go get it. Let's see it. Dawn of the Dead board game. What? That's totally real. Legit. It's real. Yeah. What year is that from? Seventy-eight. Yo. A company called SPI. Anyway. Damn. Yeah. Like that's how much of a fan I am. Yeah, you are, dude. You are that. That is that's like that's something else, man. That is yeah. something else. I didn't know it was a board game. Board game, yeah. And it's I think they're you can get them on eBay. They're not crazy expensive, but they're kind of cre- like like misfit singles. They're kind of creeping up in value over the years. You know? Right, right. You it, it doesn't. Oh, oh. <laughs> okay. 
Uh, Jason, Jason, that meet the bot that that's how I saw Meet the Feebles the first time. Oh yeah. Oh, there you society's go. Society is beautiful. Society. Okay, wait, and then I gotta show you. So this is my favorite tape that I own, and I don't know if any either of you have seen this, but it's Microwave Massacre. I've I've nice. seen Microwave. I've seen it, but I've never seen that box set. Is that a bigger? Is that a clamshell case? So it's gonna it's gonna <laughs> happen for like ten seconds now. So so Rhino put this out. Nice. Holy shit. Great? Yeah, Rhino released this in I, I think 1990, but um they uh so so these with the like actual microwave that buzzes, you like can't find them. I've seen people selling these for like 500 plus. Oh my god, which is crazy. And so I bought one where it didn't work and I went to this little shop called Batteries Plus Nice. And was like, "Hey, can you help?" And for eight dollars, they fixed it for me. Wow! Hey, tell them I have yeah. the Evil Dead Two uh, Book of the Dead Necronomicon with the the screaming eyeball from Anchor Bay, and the battery died. Maybe wow. they could fix it. Yeah, <laughs> what yeah, a yeah. poke that eye! Wait, you now mean the DVD. I'm sorry. Are you talking about on DVD? Yes, I have the DVD. I have both Necronomicons. Um, the, I have those too, and I didn't even realize yeah. that it was supposed to make a noise. Yeah, press the eyeball. Go right what? now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hope it works. I hope it works. Let me see it. Let me see it. Okay, so I got... Bro, how did you not know that... You... Dude, press the eyeball. Press the eye. Not on the original. Not yeah, Evil yeah, Dead yeah. 2. Oh, please. Let's... Work. Uh, there's a there's a mechanism. I feel it. Dude, go to... Dude, that, that eyeball will scream. I had the same problem with the spine. It, like, cracks with the, the laminated cracks. Oh, you saw that? Yeah. Uh, listen, since you're such Mine a VHS collector... Fell apart. Listen, since you're such a VHS collector, let me show you two more pieces that I think you will really appreciate it. I rescued these from my vi my 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 video store, my horror section when it yeah. was going out of business. I like it broke my heart, so I bought these movies cuz I was like I could not allow That's them. It. I'm so scared I'm going to really want whatever you show. I, me. I'm going to show you. I think you're going to really you you probably seen these. These are common. Okay. If they're common, then I probably got them. Oh god, what is it? If it's mama's home, I'm going to be upset. <clears throat> this is so fun. I love this show and tell shit. This yeah, is for sure. <laughs> I, just, I love how we keep all running away to show each other. <laughs> yeah, like for a second, I should have just left because then there'd be nobody here. All right, ready? Ready? Yeah, ready? Yeah. All right, Robert, do you want to go? Should we take turns? Okay, you want, Robert, you want to go first? You go first. Original novel. Holy shit. First print. And okay. I got, I got, um, I got everybody to sign it. Ken, Galen, <laughs> Scott. That's awesome, dude. The book is totally different than the movie. I don't know if you knew that or not. So I could imagine that being so. I'm going to segue into this. I have been reading oh. the Return of the Living. Okay, this is, first of all, this is like apparently not cheap anymore. I bought it yeah. for $3, but it nice. used to be very cheap. This book is very, very different from the Dan O'Bannon script now, but here's the thing that you have to remember. There's the original 1978 Return of the Living Dead. That's a completely different story that was in competition with Dawn of the Dead. Then it got bought up by Tom Fox. Dan O'Bannon was hired. He rewrote the script from scratch. Then John Russo came in and wrote a novelization based on the script. The script. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what this book is. And I read the entire book on my channel. So if anybody wants to hear the <laughs> audio version of Return of the Living Dead, it is on this that's channel. Awesome. It's very different. Uh, have you who's seen, next? Um, real quick, have you seen Midnight? <laughs> John's movie, Midnight? 
I have not seen Midnight. <laughs> when did he put that out? Is it's that before on, or after Santa Blu-ray. Claus? I think Severin or one of those companies put out a Blu-ray of it, and it's it's really, really. I think it's his best work since really Living Dead. It's really a hardcore movie, and I think John Amplis is in it too. Yeah, ask John Amplis sense. about it. Probably yeah. has Bill Heinzman in it as well because yeah. those dudes like work yeah. together. And uh, that movie is just it's gnarly. It's really, and I think they just remade it recently too. Okay, but, these uh, next two. Shout out to my friend Nick Bianca who got got these for me. One of these is super fucking rare and will never ever be printed on DVD, Blu-ray, or Ultra HD. Oh, and it is <laughs> Mondo motherfucking oh, trash. Yeah, Mondo trash yeah. yeah, that's rad. That okay. you cannot. This is very very. You cannot get this. This yeah. is very hard. But this used to be rare, but now it's anymore. yeah. Now it's yeah. now it's very unrare. Um. This I rescued from this is Black Roses, right? Oh, I've got Black Roses. Black yeah. Roses is cool, but now question do, does your case do this? Do you see well, how it's raised? Yeah, it's yeah I've, got raised... The, I've got the raised. Oh, you do, you do. Okay. Yeah, I yeah, figured yeah. that might be common. Uh you it's, probably... it's actually not common. I'm just kind of a nut for VHS. Is so... it really not common? So it's, it's a rare not, thing. Yeah, to it's have. not it's it's not the cheapest tape out there for sure. Really? Question yeah. is yours collapsed a little bit or like a little bit broken? Mine got a little broken. But mine's also know. not uh cup box. You have your you have yours in a clamshell. Yeah, so yours is so you have a three hold on. So you have a 3D non-clamshell box. So you have like a pristine copy. It's not pristine, but yeah, it's pretty nice. But it's like a pricey tape. Okay, I paid like three dollars for this, though. No, you could. Uh, I'd have to guess. I'd have to go look, but I, I guess you could sell that for like sixty to eighty bucks right now. Holy shit! Well, I never. Well, no, you have crazy. a cut box. You have a cut box, so yours would probably be like thirty-five dollars or something. I don't this know. was a very common cover from the '90s, so I won't be surprised if you know what it is. Like, you'll probably be unfazed but I still think it's just like the coolest fucking cover ever. Yeah. You sometimes both- it's just what's cool. It doesn't matter if it, Oh dude, I don't have bleeders. I actually don't. Is that the blood? No, bag? That is the blood. Do you see the blood? There is liquid. There is liquid here, people. And I am pushing the liquid. They actually put liquid. They trapped liquid in uh, under plastic for this cover. And I used to push this around when I was young. <laughs> I used to push this around all the time. And then uh, when the, we were going out of business, I was like, I have to have this in my collection. So I, am I, a, I, I am a sucker for gimmick boxes. Right. So, that's why I figured you like the black roses boxes. Box. So I did these uh, VHS. Oh, yeah. oh look at that. Inside. So I don't know if that's you know, cool. but I work with Dario Argento um, for, you know, the t-shirts stuff. But anyway, I did these VHS cases and inside are the t-shirts. Dude, in a double was that uh, your idea? Was that yeah. your idea to do that? That's yeah, fucking that's so genius. Yeah, I genius. found a skid of these in Chicago, so I bought the whole skid, and uh, I released uh, a different. Like I did the demons one, and this is the deep red one. I did so you literally skid. can collect the whole set. Yeah, but I ran, out of, I ran out of I ran out of uh, double VHS cases because the standard VHS cases won't work with the shirt. You know who would fucking did. love that fucking ed uh uh dead gene from the band blood sucking zombies from outer space would cream his jeans if he saw nice. that he would just freaking <laughs> love that um what about this film you cannot get this in uh, home. yeah yeah the yeah, states yeah. right now it is um, very hard to disc. come by there's a laser disc from japan of that movie that's amazing and i think it's got like an extra five or ten minutes of footage in it 
There it's is yes, there's ex, there's extended footage. Now, th- do you know about Wicked Distribution? The porn company? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I probably need to while he ran away, maybe it's I should right go grab my Return of the Living Dead. This is a German label. Oh and they nice. put out just oh, the creme cool, de la creme. Yes, I remember um, that. Look at this. There's a book inside. Check this out. Mm. It's in German, I which I can't read, but there's a book inside the case. It's built into the case. Oh, that's great. It's a three-disc set, and it's just like, I have like, this is like one of my favorite movies. Like, I just love this to death. And I spoke to Brian. We talked all about this in the thing. This is the, I think this is the lobby car. Yeah, look at that. It's This is one of 150. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's and, right. oh it's 138. It's oh, 138 to 150, of course. How appropriate. But um, they just do, if you ever get a chance, follow these guys on Facebook. They're always, they just did Space Truckers, which I picked up right after Stuart Gordon died. Had to have that. Um, awesome. Just a phenomenal, fantastic, fantastic, fantastic label. By the way, everybody in the comments seems to be really loving this conversation right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> Ace Von Johnson says... <laughs> Ace Von Johnson says the VHS boxed discussion is fantastic. Uh, um, Rue Morgs, it's an acquired taste, I'm sure. But you know, I I just love talk. I could talk about this stuff for hours. This one is a very oh, yeah. special I, one to me. I was just going to ask you if you like part three because I love. Are you kidding part me? I, okay, love so it. I. I, I interviewed Brian Usna at great length about part three, but the other person I interviewed was John Penny, the screenwriter of part three. Oh, okay. And he was also an assistant yeah. editor on return of living dead. And um, yeah, part three is, I hate that it's called a part three. Like it shouldn't be part three. It should be, it should just be Kurt and Julie or something. It should just be like its own movie, but I love it to death. And yeah. uh, this copy was the first time I ever saw the movie was on this copy from my VHS store and I had to own it. I had to buy it when it was going out of business. So I still have it. I'll never watch it on this. I have the, I have the Vestron Blu-ray over there, but like, I just have to have it because it just means so much to me. I only, I don't, I used to have posters (laughs) like everywhere. And that's actually one of the only movie posters that's still hanging. It's the best poster. It's the greatest. This is the greatest picture ever. Like, taken in this and i got the original one sheet from a flea market that somebody luckily still had in a nice case wow i got it for two bucks two bucks (laughs) yeah two bucks two bucks um no that is really cool (laughs) yeah give me back my two dollars um they i i just I, i just love it when uh i love it when you come into like uh something that you find that you treasure that you that you treasure in that kind of way and you just are able to acquire it or either one of you one last film i have to ask you both two films i have to ask both of you about one have you seen meet the hollow heads either one of you no that sounds really familiar but oh. I, don't think, I don't think so. okay i there's nothing more to say except you must it's very easy to find i think it's on amazon prime and i think it's even on youtube and you have to see meet the hollow heads it is okay. just ab- i talk about it all the time on this channel that's number one. Number two, are either one of you familiar with Rock and Rule? Yeah, Rock and Rule I've seen in the theater. What? Yep. So Yo! The town I'm from is called Riverside, California. And in Riverside, back in the 70s and 80s, they used to have midnight showings. And one of the films that they showed was Dawn of the Dead. The other film they would show is The Stones, Black and Blue, and then Rock and Rule. 
um, oh. and other great stuff. But yeah, I've seen it on the big screen. Oh my God. Jason, this is a soundtrack has it's Iggy pop, Lou Reed, cheap trick, Bondi, uh, yeah. earth, wind and fire. <laughs> um, it's like an adult cartoon. I have the Marvel comic book tie in. Nice. Uh, I, I used to make t-shirts. I made my own t-shirts. I made my own mock shirt. I just, I love, love, love this movie. And there's just like, there, it's so hard to find like when, when unearth films put this out and I got to thank Stephen Biro who, who runs Unearth films. And I said, dude, thank you so much for putting this movie out. Like it, like it means so much to me. I was so grateful because if he hadn't done that, if he hadn't licensed that film, then I never would have seen it. I, I saw it in the back. I, I found an ad for it in the back of a rock magazine. I was like, who is this guy mock? And my son loves it too. Like we watched it. Like it's uh, that one is also because it's kind of like a weird sort of situation that is on YouTube legally for free. So you can watch it officially through okay. the, the, the official way, like legally, like don't stream it. Like you can actually watch it. Um, everybody should check out rock and roll, rock and roll. Rock it's rule. just great. John of doom says when Robert would come to NYC for a merch meeting with Arturo or whatever, the first thing he would want to do is get good pizza because LA pizza sucks. Ha <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Um, um Yeah. Yeah, Arturo was awesome. I don't know if you're familiar with who Arturo was, but he was the guy who did the uh, presidential seal for the Ramones. Oh, uh, Arturo guy. Vega. Yeah, Arturo oh. Vega. Oh, so you knew I was, Arturo. I was the Ramones merch guy for, for several years, too. Oh, hey, it's only fucking 90 minutes into the show. Hey, I was the Ramones merch guy. Yeah, sorry. Like, what the fuck? Bury, bury yeah. the fucking lead. What the fuck? Holy yeah. shit. When, wait, for, in the 90s you were? In, in when? the 90s, yeah. The late 90s, early 2000s. And, oh my uh, god up until joey died well i was when joey died everything changed but uh i was the merch guy for a few years after that but uh um anyway yeah I've, i worked with the band for mm, like six seven years that's amazing so you were on the road with the no road. no 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 like i was the after they had stopped touring is when i started they they had gotcha. a deal with a company called winterland which was bill graham i don't know if you know who bill graham was he's this Promoter? big guy yeah, promoter guy. He yeah. had a merch company called Winterland back in the, the 70s and 80s. And they yeah. were with Winterland. And then their Winterland deal was over. I went to the last show, actually, in, in L.A. And uh, wow. their stuff was over. And then Arturo um, got in touch and, and wanted us to do it for Hot Topic and retail at the time. And because nobody was doing it after Winterland lost it. So, um, yeah, I worked with the band. And when Joey died, it was sad. Um, quick story. It was in Spin Magazine this story, but, um, I came into the office of Joey done on a Sunday. I came in on a Monday and on my fax machine, there was maybe like 20 or 30 purchase orders from like hot topic, urban outfitters, like all these crazy retail stores that never wanted anything to do with the Ramones ever. And, uh, yeah, they were just totally, you know, his, his corpse was still warm and they were just like, they just you know, wanted, yeah. they wanted to cash in. Um, but I'm the one responsible for putting it on Paris Hilton and making it more of a, a brand. And then uh, we got fired. I got fired by uh, Joey's Joey's uh, brother's manager um, in 2000 and Mickey Lee. Mickey, yeah, Mickey. Mickey has a manager named Dave Fry who was uh, um, he was Cheap Tricks manager at the time. So um, anyway, that's my Ramones story. But anyway. Um, question. So when, 
when first of all what was it okay that last show what do you remember from the last show what was that like did you see the two of them clash on stage where they were walking off after the final song they were playing anything you want everybody just they, just they just kind of all went their own way it was kind of sad you would think they would like take a final bow or something and they, i forgot how many shows it was it was an insane amount of shows they had played 2226 yeah think. and i think arturo had only missed like two or three of them and um anyway yeah it was a real sad sad thing and then but they reunited i don't know if people know this but they reunited maybe like six months later on on howard stern and they did a right a city at uh, for tower the, for the for the signing. release for the release yeah, for the release so they yeah i've they seen it it's on youtube up, they kind of made up on howard stern a little bit i uh, saw that yeah. when joey and johnny are sitting next to each other and howard's like howard's like boy you too. He's like, he's like, why don't you look at each other? Just look at each other. Just yeah. look at each other in the eyes just and just say hi. Them. And 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 Johnny is like smiling awkwardly. And so is Jody's like, they're like turns like, hi, Jody. Hi, yeah. Joey. Like it's it was so it was so I funny. Joey actually broke down and said, Thank you for being my business partner or something on 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 air. Like he actually thanked Johnny, who and I guess they hadn't spoke since you know he took Linda away. Um, but anyway, yeah. Well, here's crazy. the thing. I so I had Monty Melnick on yeah on the show on this very show actually oh, on this awesome. Pizza Punk show. Yeah, Monty and I awesome. asked him. Yeah, Monty's great, and and he was he was so awesome to talk to him. And I said, I was like, so look, like, what's the deal? Like, did they really did they really use you as like an intermediate to like talk? And he, this is what he said. He was like, he was like, that's ridiculous. Like, of course they like spoke to each other. Like they were in a van together. Like it's not like they couldn't smoke because you always hear like the the story that like you know it would literally be like tell no it'd be like Johnny going to to, to Monty and be like tell Joey that blah 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 right. and then Joey be like Monty tell Johnny and they like literally can like hear each other and um and he's like no he's like look they were business partners they like knew each other. And I think like, I don't know, I've read all the biography. Oh, I've, I haven't read. I read I slept with Joy Ramon, but like I read Johnny's sort of thing, his his commando book. Mm -hmm. And I get the sense that the, on some level, on some level, deep down inside, you know, they were still Ramones and they had been through all that shit together. Yeah. And that like, even if he was trying to like stay on brand that like, they must've had love for each other on some deeper, deeper level. I think there was definitely a respect there, but they just respect, you know, respect. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Um, that's a good, and here's my other question. So now Oturo, he had, um, he designed the logo mm -hmm. Was he, were the Ramones, did they co-own that together or did the Ramones buy it from him or how did that work? Was he a part of that or was he, he was like. Part of it. He was, so when we would like come up with new designs and stuff, he was the one who was, he was the creative director. He was also the, gotcha. the, the lighting guy or Lighting whatever. guy, right. Yeah. He worked for the Misfits after that yeah. too. No, I, I, that's kind of how we got the introduction was through the Misfits. Uh, oh, I was okay. a Misfits merchandiser for a while too. I don't know if you knew that or not. I did not know that. Yeah. I've actually merchandised for the Jerry side and Glenn also. So I, I'm very familiar with all okay. these guys. That's fascinating too, because there was a period of time where J uh, Jerry couldn't put Glenn on anything and Glenn couldn't put Jerry on anything. So you'd get classic designs. <laughs> that was you. Yeah. So you're doing Halloween. the Halloween. You did the... <laughs> Yeah, it was on an orange ringer t-shirt. Yep, and I remember Glenn, it. Glenn, Glenn was like, you know, just just make these adjustments and, and and black him out, and 
you know, um, yeah, it was pretty funny. But yeah, I mean, that's that's you know, I wanted to do a Walk Among Us T-shirt, and uh, at the time I was working with Jerry and Glenn. Stuff was done through a company called Blue Grape, and uh, they couldn't use Jerry for any of their stuff. So like, we were going to trade. We were going to do a Walk Among Us shirt, and they were going to do a Beware shirt. So it was like kind of kind of be an they even agreed. Trade. So they agreed. Yeah. So we kind of it was like an early phase of them like actually like communicating somewhat. Was and this uh, pre two thousand one? Oh yeah, this is like uh, wow. Yeah. No, it have to be after. It was after. I want to say it was like two thousand. Yeah, no, you're right. It was ninety nine or two thousand. Okay, that's because I was on the Samhain. I was that's on the amazing. Samhain tour at the time. I was merching for Jerry. I was on the Samhain tour. So, wow. Yeah. It was it was pretty funny. Uh, that is okay. So what's so interesting about that is because I always suspect that those two started talking because they almost reunited in two thousand two. Yeah, I suspect I that. that when when Caroline was going to put out Twelve Hits from Hell, that those two like actually like spoke for the first time and on some level where they unanimously were like shutting that shit down. They're like, we do not want this to come out. Yeah. And I think that started the talks. That had I, to have started the talks. No, well. I know that Doyle was kind of the intermediary. Doyle had showed up to Glenn's house and left the the big twelve inch coffin figured uh, dolls on his porch. And did I he guess, really? Yeah, and he left him with a bunch of Kit Kats because Glenn's favorite candy is Kit Kat. So Doyle left left this stuff on Glenn's porch with a note like, "Hey, give us a call," you know, kind of thing. And I think uh, somebody saw Glenn like throwing those in the in the trash next Get to the fuck out of here, dude. Yeah, no, I'm serious. This was in LA. This was in, yeah, LA. in LA. This was at the old the Bricks house. Yeah, the Bricks house. Wow. That's where where uh, yeah. Anyway, um, I don't know. Some of it's probably folklore, but um, it wouldn't surprise me if Glenn was throwing those things out and ate the Kit Kats. You know, like <laughs> I, I just love that. That is. Yeah, but here's the thing, like they did start, they were they were like a united front against Caroline, against that release. You know um, what I'm saying? Like that had to have like been some sort of solvent or glue that had, hey, let's start. Are we gonna do this? Are, like Graves is out of the picture, Chud is out of the picture, like Jerry's like, you know, Doyle is 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 out of the picture, or soon to be out of the picture. Yeah. Dez is Dez is in the band now. And it's kind of like, you know, like, we, what are we going to do here? Where are the misfits going at this point? We need to get Glenn back, you know? So I just well, imagine that that had to have something. They tried to do, it was an OzFest. It was an OzFest where they were going to play. Um, the misfits were going to reunite at one point. It, it was all just talk. I don't know what was real, but I hear stuff from Jerry's camp. And then I hear stuff from Glenn and Glenn shooting everything down, you know, but Crazy. I know for a fact that they were, there were communications back and forth and uh what really brought them together was that hot topic lawsuit i don't know if you know the details well, yeah that. yeah but that was like that was year i mean that's the that's modern later. reunion yeah. but yeah. here's my question to you okay one last question about this and, and we'll move on i don't want to um and i listen where i you, you guys have been so generous with your time i don't know if, if uh we need to be landing the airplane soon i'm having such a great time um the uh so here let me ask you this what about the stipulations did you know any, is that, was that true, really true that he's like, he's like, you can't, you can't tour for a year. We're not using Robo. Robo's out. You can't use Robo, right? Accurate. Yeah. I don't know. And, and Jerry sure. was like, fuck you. I'm not, I refused. Well, and what I understand is that they wanted, well, Glenn wanted Steve to play drums because Steve was kind of on some misfits recordings and 
you know, rightfully so. Steve would know, be a so, perfect. And then Jerry wanted Eric, who is Eric Arce, who is uh, Chupacabra or whatever they call him. The goat. Um, oh, but that's later. You're talking about that's no, no, this is later. I'm talking about in 2002. Oh, 2002. I don't remember, but I know that Jerry did try to get Dave Vanian at one point. Yeah, um, that I, yes. Yeah. So they were like, yes. the ads were, they already had the ads that said, we got a damned good new singer, you know, um, and uh, all this stuff. Yeah. Um, so anyway. And you know what's yeah. funny? The day, uh, uh, Dave Vanian and Captain Says, well, those guys have never been, it's either there, maybe it's stricken from like the interview record. Like, you, like, don't ask us about these guys. Mm -hmm. I, it just amazes me that how many interviews the damned have done and they've never been asked about the misfits or no one's ever been like, so Jerry wanted to get you as the lead singer. He just, he, there's only one time Nerdwar was the oh. only guy who's like the perfect guy, right? Yeah, Jason, yeah. he's like the guy yeah. who, who, uh, um, yeah, well, right. Funny story, Dave Vanian leaving and myself rode the train in 2019 from, um, rebellion festival to Manchester. And that train ride is about a three hour train ride. So I interrogated Dave Vanian about all this stuff. And apparently in when he was going to agree to do the misfits thing, but they had a stipulation that he had to work out and be muscular and um, just all these crazy stipulations to, for Banian to join the band. And so he was like, fuck you guys. I'm not going to do it. Um, he was going to do it. He was, he was signed up and ready to go. And then get they were the just like, fuck out of here. No cheeseburgers for Dave. Yeah. Get you know, lit. Yeah, yeah, get whipped, you know. Um, I love this band so much. I love yeah, them. No, I, I love I, them. And uh, anyway, Dave <laughs> Dave secretly goes to me, I fucking hate the Misfits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but then they ended up, yeah, but then they ended up doing the Fiend Fest later. Yeah, no, they, they have they, a good relationship. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, he, they he did, they did. Canadian, but he was like, I fucking hate those guys. Right, right, right. Because it's like, you know, it's like, come on, just give, get, cut me a break. And that makes sense, too, because the damned were at a super, like, inactive point at that point. He's yeah. doing Dave and the Phantom Chords. Yep. And and Jerry comes a knocking. Yep. And it's like, like, why not? Why not take on? And, you know, that, my God, would that have been interesting? You don't want to know another funny story that you might may or may not know. But did you know that the Misfits were the Fruit of the Loom band? Um, fruit of the loom ads in the 70s or the late 70s early 80s no okay i have no idea what you're talking about Explain. yeah it's there's apparently the fruit of the loom like figures on the underwear there's like a grape and an apple and yeah so they they're the head of marketing at fruit of the loom was friends with jerry's dad and jerry's dad um said, well, my son has a band. They were the guy, the guy was looking for a music group to do ads for Fruit of the Loom underwear. And so Jerry's dad like volunteered the Misfits to like be the Fruit of the Loom band. And they actually, according to Jerry, they actually shot a commercial with the Misfits in the Fruit of the Loom outfits. What, what the fuck? If you ever get Jerry on your show, you can ask him. It's, it's true. I don't think Jerry will. I would love Uncle Jerry to come on my show, yeah. oh. but that will never happen. Wait, this. Th hold on a second. Let's tr let's 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 do a time timeline check. This has to be the nineties. This is not. Oh, the no, 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 no. This is seventy nine or seventy eight. This is like <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah, dude, you're is, blowing my fucking it, mind right now. This is Jerry told me at one of the, we used to have him come out at the trade shows 
there's a trade show called Magic in Las Vegas, and it's like the the big apparel convention. So anyway, uh, yeah, Jerry is like, you know, we were the fruit of the loom band, you know, like he's telling me over dinner. And I'm just like, well, you're fucking insane. And I'm, I'm like, no, like they filmed us in a studio. I, lo I love We were all wearing the Fruit of the Loom costumes and we were all playing and we were the Fruit of the Loom band. I got to, I mean, like, I got to talk to Bobby. I got to ask Bobby. Like, there can't be evidence of this though, right? I think it was Bobby or right after Bobby left, but I think it, or was fired, but it's, it's right around that time that they were the Fruit in of the Loom 80. band. Well, you know, it's, that's a very underdocumented year for the Misfits. 1980 yeah. is a very sort of like, they're almost inactive for six months. Like after they lose Bobby, yeah. like it's just a very, uh, well, no, no, no. Sorry. Sorry. Correction. Correction. They had Bobby all the way up until they were recording 12 hits from hell. They just weren't doing anything. They weren't playing shows. They had no, you know what it was? It wasn't Bobby. It was, they lost Joey image. Joey image had a, had a heroin problem. He he left the band in in um, England and they came back. They had to find Googie and they mm -hmm. were that's what happened. They would they would lose. They would lose a guy. And speaking of the Walk Among Us cover, if you look at Googie's head, you've seen Googie's head on. It's right behind you. Yeah. Googie has an egghead. They cut off his head and they cut out. You can look at right now. If you look at the watch, he has a wristwatch on his. He has a missing. He has a missing wristwatch on his arm. Look at his look at Googie's arm. Yeah, I can see it. Hang on. Yeah, they cut that out. That's why Googie. I spoke to Googie on the phone. He told me that's why he left the band. That's what he well, said. That I he thought left it was the, the cheeseburger band. incident. At uh, there's the cheeseburger incident. Suppose it's I don't know. Uh, it's somewhat contested. I've actually there's somebody once commented an eyewitness account on a YouTube video of one of mine about the cheeseburger account, and he used such like lucid detail to describe this incident. He he said things that no one could possibly know. Unless they were there. It was so he was so convincing in his telling. And it just seemed too like it was it was nuts. It was nuts. I did a whole Patreon video about it. If you're a Patreon, you could see that video. Okay. Um uh it's but yeah, I I I I'm not sure if the cheeseburger is the is the reason. I'm I'm curious. One other thing, did Dave Vanian, when you were on that three hour ride, did you ask him or did he talk about the misfits walking off the 1979 uh uh, we didn't uh, talk tour? too much. I know that they like showed up at his house and and uh, they weren't really scheduled to be on the tour. They just kind of put him on to be nice. Um, yeah, he did say we did talk about Archangel quite a bit. Um, so there's a he has a cassette somewhere that of a demo that Glenn had sent him back in the 70s or whenever this was to record Archangel. So I guess there's a demo. He's got it still somewhere in his in his uh, archive, the Vanian archive. But um, yeah, there. He said that uh, he wanted to do it. I guess it's just a scheduling thing. But the tour, he didn't t talk too much about. But I, he just did say that they kind of were not really supposed to be on the tour, and um, you know there was no paperwork or no contract, and you know whatever. But it's too bad. I mean, um, I guess they played three shows or something like that, or two shows, shows, two shows, okay. and they walked off. Yeah, and then Bobby had told me that that you know Joey was really strung out, you know, having shakes yeah. and dope sick and and just left um yeah and they were so i don't know if you know but um they were selling horror business copies yes okay and yes. i guess they they sold a bunch to a place that just lost them or forgot yes. about them. a so whole box like a stack yeah. of whole horror box. business yeah a whole box of horror business singles that just 
were vanished until like two or three years ago or something. And they just surf, all of them surfaced. And what happened was, so yeah, they bring a bunch of merch over. They're doing the deal. This is when Glenn first gets in contact with Caroline because they're doing the beware deal on Cherry Red, which is also like a Caroline thing. And what's amazing is, so they go over there to do the business in addition. Now, here's what's interesting. Had Joey not left or had they had a drummer that could like, that didn't have a a habit, there's a very good chance. Or if they had soldiered on with the tour, I you I would it's very good chance the Misfits might have gotten signed yeah. and might have put out a like perf, like a like a real full length like a you know stu, uh, a record ba- record label backed full length album that that would have put them higher up in the pantheon yeah. of whatever and just once again just like always like something goes wrong and they're just we have what we have or it turned out the way it turned out but it's interesting to think about. Yeah, for sure. I, yeah. I uh, you know, one could speculate on quite a few things that they. Oh, well, that's done. all we do all day here. We just yeah. speculate. That's all I do. I, I before I start opening my motor mouth, I say, just so you know, I'm not an expert, and I don't. I, I'm just speculating. I'm just speculating because that's what we do. We just speculate all friggin' day on just all sorts of of, of, of punk minutia. Um, Jason. Hey, did you oh, ever so hear ahead. the Halloween three thing that you guys did that that short? Ah, on? so I did not hear it, but Steve did answer the question. Every yeah, once I a while, that, but I just wondered if if the guy who owns that acetate actually like transcribed it to digital or transferred it to digital and so he shared it. so he did. Uh, I don't know if he ever digitized it. Um, I really hope that he does. I really want to believe that it's real from the way that. The, the way that Steve, like, basically, because, you know, Steve, like, as the an- poor Steve, like, he comes on and he has to answer all these fucking nerd questions, uh, like this minutia questions, like reaching into the back of his brain, trying to, like, figure out what the what are these guys fucking talking about? Oh, yeah, yeah. He like, was kind of- probably the most knowledgeable because he was there. And oh, Steve my God. Actually, I've been to Steve's house and Steve has probably the best collection of stuff. He it's has drugs. George Germain's reels and, yep. and 58 Gretsch, 58 Gretsch, the, the guitar from Archangel. Yeah. The, the Gretsch for, um, for horror, no, for horror business and American nightmare. Yeah. And Good uh, shit. yeah, Steve's Good got, shit. got every, a lot of stuff Steve has. Um, yeah. He's, you know the, about dude, he's the biggest, he's the biggest missus fan of all yeah. the people. That's what's so funny. People don't realize like, like <laughs> it's like, like the dude is in Danzig. But he's also the biggest Misfits fan ever. Like he loves the Misfits. That that I mean that informed him. He's like Glenn, you know, Glenn Danzig. Like was his biggest influence. You know, so like it totally makes sense. I'm sorry. What were you gonna say? Um, what was I gonna say? You know, I got Steve back in the band. In the uh, I did not know that. That's amazing. I told Glenn, Steve's pretty good bass player. You should have him because he had. I guess Jerry Montano had left, and um, I was the merch guy at the time, and and I was friends with Steve. Steve had a band called Doom Tree. Yeah, I know. I'm and it turned into Mara's drug. Yeah, right. I shot um, his video. I shot the music videos for Steve. I did uh, oh. Black Twenty Nine, um, awesome. Sweet Nothing, and there's another one coming out for Cleopatra in a little bit. We we cool. just did a video, um, but uh, no, I did not know that. That's very interesting. Is is that must have been that was like 2006, mm-hmm. 2005, yeah. 2006, I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, I mean, Glenn Glenn was going to do what Glenn was going to do, but I I just kind of like wink wink nudge nudge like 
you know, Steve, Steve can handle that bass guitar pretty well. It makes well, sense, you know? dude. He, it's just, it's perfect continuity, man. It's just, I like the continuity of that dude being in that band. And he's like, he's perfect. It's like, it's great. And, and listen, Glenn friggin', I mean, he does, Steve does like the sound levels for like Glenn's shit. Like he knows what Glenn likes and stuff. So he works Steve's the board. A sound man for, for a wedding thing, I think on the weekends and stuff. Like he's, he knows his stuff. <laughs> he knows his stuff. Yeah. He knows his stuff. Um, uh, Jason, tell me what, uh, first of all, it's, are, are you, uh, uh, if, are, is there any Misfits songs that you really enjoy or anything? Are you a Misfits guy at all? Oh yeah. I'm a Misfits fan. Um, I've always really liked Last Caress. I mean, everybody loves Last Caress. So I think like more of a deeper cut would probably be like Children in Heat. Love that song. I love that song so much. Um, Cause it references you know, Chicago. Yeah, yeah, they yeah, all yeah. change when they played. They played that in Chicago, and I wasn't there for it. But I'd be like, "Oh my God, they said Chicago in the town of Chicago." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But they I mean, I mean, they, they were one of the the few punk bands where like start to nice. Don't like, don't ever bring don't bring that up in front of Steve. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Steve it's don't like to cool. talk about China. <laughs> Sorry, I, Jason. I, I, you love were the, I love all the old misfit shit for sure. Oh good even some uh, of the michael graves stuff i, I don't like I, it. listen some of it i i am not a big fan of michael graves but um i love those two albums i love that, the music saturday night oh yeah sure oh, i, I listen song. all all good stuff i just the yeah. uh michael graves the person not not so much not a fan of that guy but like yeah. the um the the music is fine i i enjoy i enjoy those albums even though i don't like uh dr chud is a whole other story Somebody writes in the comments, the collective knowledge here is overwhelming. I am learning so much. Incredible what you guys have all done. Thank you very much. That's very nice of you to say. Um, a little too kind. A little too kind. <laughs> Real quick. Listen, let's let's start to land the airplane a little bit here because it is late. Um, I, I have to do a very, very quick sponsor break. Um, first and foremost, before I even do the sponsor break, I just want to, again, clarify for anybody who watches this or is enjoying this channel. Go check out uh, Adam Age Industries. Links are in the comments. They've got a ton of stuff. They've got records, okay? Like I said, they, 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 they've got all the fear. If you're into fear and you want to own the fear records on beautiful, various different colors of vinyl, go check that out. That's number one. They got all kinds of T-shirts. You like Meet the Feebles, Peter Jackson? You like Creative Fear shirts? What else you got? You got Damned. I saw the Damned was up. What else you Argento. got, Robert? Argento. Yeah. just check it out guys Lots if you it's, oh man yeah just like oh everything man. that we're talking about that you're into it's all on adam age so check that out we're all geeky collectors like you guys are there you go um we're powered by riotstickers.com and um it's a great place to go if you need to get your stickers printed up they printed up these stickers for me they also printed up check out this beautiful banner that oh, they printed up for me in the background they do buttons and bottle cap openers. They sent me a whole care package full of stuff. Right now, we're running a special contest with uh, freaking riotstickers.com. You can win 20 free custom t-shirts. It's free to enter. All you got to do is go to riotstickers.com backslash win. We're also still doing the special promo deal. Uh, it, the, the promo code is from us. The name of this channel, F-R-U-M-E-S-S. The link is in the description below. And very lastly, we just have to play the 60-second video featuring music from the guy from Less Than Jake. Hold on one second. It's coming right now. I just got to load it up. 
And here we go. Hi, I'm a guy from Riotstickers.com, the merch company known for being the bomb. Do you hate going to work? But like getting paid? Do you hate snow? But want to make sweet, sweet love to a snowman? That was unexpected. All right, what about this? Do you hate paying for stuff, but like having custom t-shirts? You are in luck. We can't help with the snowman thing. That's probably going to take a therapist. But Riotstickers.com is giving you a chance to win a free order of custom shirts. And entering is easier than like making sweet, sweet Get her out of here. All you have to do is simply go to riotstickers.com slash win and enter your name and email address. Riot Stickers will have a random drawing to pick a winner. So head to riotstickers.com slash win for your chance to win free custom shirts. And be sure to check out other custom merch while you're there because it is the bomb. Riot Stickers.com, Riot Stickers, we are the bomb. Riot Stickers.com, Riot Stickers, we are the bomb. Um, and we're back. Listen, guys, we are winding down this airplane. Think about this like a plane flight, and we are slowly winding in for our final uh, descent, if you were to to quote um, uh, another Sam Haynes song. Um, I want to double back because we kind of got lost in the fury of excitement, talking about all the things that we love and cherish and hold dear. I wanted to ask Jason about his film Tapehead. He started to tell us about it. Jason, tell us a little bit about Tapehead and what how did you come to this idea uh to do to do this documentary? Obviously, you love VHS. Go ahead, tell us all about it. Want to hear so, about it? So it's actually um it's a mockumentary short. It's not a doc, um, but it was really like right, 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 right. very much pandemic inspired. And um uh most of my humor is pretty self-deprecating. And so I started to realize that I was really going down the rabbit hole and becoming obsessed with collecting. Uh, I was like, it, it started out fun and then it became like an obsession and I was being so lame about it. And so I was like, okay, how can I turn that into something uh, creative and fun, poke fun of at myself and collectors like me. So, um, so I wrote a script and asked some buddies uh, Wilson Mack is the star and he's, he's so good. Um, but yeah, we just, we just went around for a few weekends and went to thrift stores and weird flea markets and just improv making fun of ourselves. And, uh, and yeah, so, and it came out really fun. Like I really think, Great. and it's, yeah, thank you so much. And it's really nice because, you know, you spend so much time, we spent like three years making straight edge kegger from start to finish and this happened so quick and like kind of organically. And now I go, I, I'm kind of, I'm always the person, like, I don't mind putting stuff out into the world, but I don't watch my movies in theaters. I will go walk around the block for an hour and 20 minutes. Aww. I'll get a coffee and I'll come back. Cause I just can't, I just can't. Why? Why? I can't handle that stress. I can't handle it. But with the short, it's nine minutes long. So I'm like, I could, I could commit. And it's so nice. Cause like we played it at nightmares and just listening to everybody laugh and like cheer on the things that we wanted them to cheer on. It's really exciting. So, so it's a silly little thing, you know, we, we might turn it into a web series or something one day, but got a lot of things on the fire cooking. So right, right now it's just right. short. You got your work cut out for you. Um, yeah. Wow. It took you three years to make a, uh, Straight edge start to from the, from the proof of concept to the finished feature. So it's like there's some there's some time in the middle where it's like pre-production, crowdfunding, all that stuff. So what was the most challenging aspect of each part of the process, pre-production, post-production, and 
sorry, pre-production, production, and post-production. If you could pick one thing from each that was just like, that you found to be the most challenging. Um, I'd say pre-production on Straight Edge Kegger, we, uh, so we have no money. I mean, that's, that's a big thing is I'm like, I put things on. Do any of us have money? Yeah. I've I've been donating blood plasma for three years to pay down my film debt. So like talk about fucking DIY, but, uh, so we had to pick a date. And so we were like, so we were like, we pick a date and then we know we need to get all the, all our ducks in a row by that date. Right. Go time. The date is go time. So we went through farmer's almanac to try to, to try to to figure out when it wouldn't rain. (laughs) for the dates so like yeah so just like committing to a time period and like then doing that's quite a resource too oh my god it was amazing (laughs) it was amazing yeah i don't know how many people do that normally but yeah it worked out we only got rained out one night so uh yeah it it was an 11 day shoot so production was hard it was really really tough um my favorite you know you asked about concerts and like honestly if I had to pick like one concert to maybe trade in for the rest, it's probably the opening of the movie. Wow. Where, wow. where we had, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, we had four bands, but we had ugly bones, uh, headline this show at subterranean. And it was like, it was one of the most stressful days of my life, but it was also one of the best days of my life. So yeah. Yeah. So that, that was an insane, we had like 200 people there filmed all day how did you do the sync? how did you do the sync you you, did they actually play Um, were they actually playing live or what yeah they played everything all that live and i i have to give all the credit to my buddy tim gick he he did the score for the movie as well so one side of the soundtrack that you know adam age is pressing pick up um, pick it up at uh, adam age yes uh so and there's a blood red vinyl uh it's pretty rad i'm pretty excited um (laughs) But, uh, but yeah, one side is all Tim Gick, but Tim came with and he just volunteered his time to do that. Like I paid him for the movie, but that he was just like, I'll come help. And I'm so lucky that, that we did that because without him, it would have, it would have probably seemed fake and canned because it would have just been their actual song recorded, dubbed over. Right. Not at all. Can always tell. It feels like a real punk show because it was a real punk show. That's know? awesome. So yeah, that night was intense, but, and then post actually wasn't that hard because like I said, I edit as I go. Um, I'd say the biggest thing for me was like, everybody told me to take a break because it was such a big part of my life. And I was so stressed about everything. They were like, don't edit for a month. I was like, bullshit. Like I instantly (laughs) started going through stuff, but there was so much footage that we had gotten from that night that I first started looking. And when I was clicking through all the slow-mo, the high speed videos of the uh, mosh pit, I thought we just had garbage. I was like, it's all useless. We have nothing. And always then, that. That's always but it's just because, it Yeah, because it's because I had, didn't look at the entirety. I was just looking at little clips. You're like, my life is over. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and then by the time I'm done, I'm like trying to cut it down because I have too much cool shit to cut. So, yeah. Long-winded way to explain. There's so much. No, no, I- that's that's freaking great. I, I, I love hearing. I love hearing about that stuff. I find it incredibly incredibly inspiring truly um i thought that a great way to close out this show would be for each of us or for each of you guys really um i want you to pick five movies and five you can either do um how about albums five albums and five movies 
And I want you to already start thinking about them as I, as I'm talking, I'm, I'm stalling for you guys. So you can think about it because I'm just springing this on you. Um, just five, like, like go to, and it can't be Dawn of the dead. Cause you already said that we know you love Dawn of the dead. It's gotta be just uh five. It could be deep cuts. It could be Rex. It could be any, anything of that, of that uh, ilk. And the same with uh, five albums. These albums have to have every single track, like start to finish, like every single track you love. Like you can't skip a track, like you, recommendation. You have to recommend the album. You have to recommend the, and, and you're allowed to talk about it for like one to two sentences or else we'll be here all night. So you got to just yeah, five. Be brief in your, yeah, you get five of each. Do you guys, if you guys need a little bit more time, I will, uh, what do you got? Oh, you're, po- you're pointing to stuff already? Oh, okay. Yeah, no, he, he oh, he's pointing to me, isn't he? Oh, he's pointing to you. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, Shit, Jason, you, what, can you go first? Am, am I putting you on the spot? Yeah. You do so, it? Full disclosure, I'm terrible with names. So you guys might even have to help me if I like. That's okay. Like, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so I guess uh, I'm going to try not to look at Robert's wall because I know I'm going to be inspired <laughs> by these things. Um, I guess even though I'm not the biggest Black Flag fan, damaged is definitely up there for me um nobody's probably going to know this but uh ceremony violence violence i could listen to that over and over again um oh my god i hate this so much uh the first self-titled fiddler record i guess oh you did we just become best friends oh my gosh holy shit one okay, of the best I shows saw, I've ever seen in my life. Bro, 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 I saw them open up for the Pixies at the Capitol Theater. Well, let me tell you something. about the Pixies. Oh, I'm Fuck. a huge Pixies. I'm a diehard, ginormous, just as, like if in my, my five bands, right? My five bands, like the Stooges, uh, the Beatles, uh, the Misfits, the Pixies, and God, who's be the fifth? I don't know, man. I don't know who might, maybe Sublime. I really, really love Sublime. I yeah. love these fucking bands. I mean, I love a lot of bands, obviously, but fucking, I love the Pixies. So I go to see the Pixies at the cap. I've seen the Pixies about like five or six times since 20, 2005. He goes, here we go again. Because <laughs> Rue is, Rue, Rue has to hear these stories all the time. <laughs> no, I saw, I saw fucking Fiddler open. I had no idea who the fuck they were. Nice. I didn't know that the fucking Early two days. kids those are Greg's kids from TSOL, the yep, keyboard yeah. player. Those are his sons, Elvis and Max. Yeah. And they blew my fucking face off. I had Max, I bought that fucking record. Max can't surf. <laughs> Max can't surf. That whole record from yeah. start to finish is Man. immaculate. Are you a fan of the Frights? I don't you know think the I know Oh but I'm bad God. with names. I'm so bad with names. I can't I, even believe I'm doing this well so far. We'll, we'll talk about West Coast bands off the air, but okay, okay. I feel like there's a lot of music. All right, so sorry. So so Fiddler so first good. record. Fuck it, dog. Life's a risk. Great fucking band. Go ahead. So good, so good. Um, uh, this is weird, but Andrew Jackson Jihad can't maintain. Uh, Not familiar, I, but okay. Oh, it's it's folk punk, but man, it is from start to finish. It's just solid gold. Send it um, to me. Uh, uh, DM it to me on Facebook. Okay, yeah, yeah, I will. Um, man, I'm gonna change all of these later. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, this is totally yeah. Not this is not fair. This but is not fair. I love and I'll like, give you a bonus cup after Robert goes. You get one bonus cup, like uh, bonus. Des- uh Descendants bonus or all bonus cup. Bill Stevenson <laughs> bonus cup. Um, um, and then oh oh, and then probably uh, Dead Kennedys, uh, fresh fruit for rotten vegetables. Okay, okay, yeah. Yeah. cool. 
cool. Respect. Oh, and then movies. Do I have to do movies now? Yeah, but let Robert, let's skip over Robert. You think about your movies. Robert's okay. going to do the music. We'll, we'll switch it around. We'll switch it around. Okay. Robert, you go. Okay. Number one for me is the Rolling Stones, Exile on Main Street. Ooh, what Double a great album. opening track, dude. Every song on that record is fantastic. I, I can Rock listen song. to the whole thing over and over and over and don't skip. It's just solid. Cool double album and actually i think that album is actually outtakes from some of the other records that they did but it's it's solid like the didn't whole they record thing. it in a mobile studio in paris yeah, yeah and like, uh, high on cocaine yeah high on heroin and cocaine yeah. yeah yeah um anyway uh that record is phenomenal it's got graham parsons on it too believe it or not like it's really a really cool record um never mind the bollocks okay. i almost said that i almost said every, that every record. track is great um, no Sid on bass though. It's, it's actually Steve Jones. I don't know if you've seen the documentary. About yes. It. I knew that, uh, the classic albums documentary actually Sid does play bass on one track. Oh, okay. He plays well, bass on bodies or he okay. plays a track of bass on bodies. Nice. Um, there's a bootleg of, uh, the, the, the last show in San Francisco where they do a sound check and Sid's actually playing bass on Ramones on a Ramones song. That so makes sense. He could, he could actually play. I think they were just so far into the process that he didn't get a chance to play on the record. I don't think it was a lack of playing. Maybe it was maybe a combination of both. Anyway, uh, Walk Among Us, for sure. Every song, yeah. fantastic. Great album. Can I ask uh, you one question about that? One question. Yeah. Would you introduce, if you had to introduce someone who never heard The Misfits, what album would you pick Walk Among Us as the album to do it with? Absolutely. Or, I think yeah. Walk Among Us or Beware, but I think- cool. Cool. Walk Among Us uh, is just a solid record, you know, like just every song is great. And um, I don't know if you've heard the roughs from when they did it. Plan originally. 9 version? Yeah. Oh, I know. Oh, I have the like, Plan 9 version. Okay, yeah. It sounds nothing like what... Uh, Devil's Whorehouse is so different. Yeah. Those clacks. Yep. yep. <laughs> the double vocals. Um, oh, it's insane. Yeah, for sure. Um, Beatles White Album. Oh! You okay? You also just became my best friend. That is like <laughs> that's my holy number one Beatles yeah, white album. Way way mm. strong songs and just mm. great great soundtrack of my my youth right there. That, same dude. Same great. Um, Fucking excellent. London Calling Clash. Okay, I was thinking album. about that too. Yeah. Um, Van Halen, nineteen eighty four. Okay. Great record. Okay. P great production. Great songs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Some Can't of those songs were super early Van Halen tunes that got scrapped and then redid later, but it's still. I think it's a great record. Discovered by Gene Simmons, right? Yeah. I have those demos. So those crazy. demos are so good. Really? Um, those seventy-seven, seventy-eight? No, like earlier. I think like seventy-six. Wow, that's yeah. amazing. That is amazing. Um, that's really amazing. Shit, Guns and Roses, Appetite for Destruction, great record. All through and through. Um Duff and Slash love the jam. play Duff and Slash play on the new Fear album. Yes. So I <laughs> I said Lee. I said so I didn't want to I didn't want to ask him straight out because I wasn't sure how he would respond. So I just was like, Lee, so uh can we expect I think I said something like, Can we expect any guests or something? And oh, I yeah. forgot what his answer was. He was like, he doesn't want anybody to he he was like, he's like, well. He's like, yes, we're collaborating all the time. Something like that. Like, oh, I knew the ants already. I knew that yeah. those guys had played on it, but he just was like so like mum about it. It was so funny. There's a lot of really cool guests 
on that. Uh, on so I've record. heard. So um, I've that, heard. Very cool. That record will be out at the end of the year. Um, That's awesome. It's a, keep me posted. A, Let me know so I can blast it on here. We'll make sure we tell yeah, people. Yeah, it's it'll be a double album. So wow, it's, it's going to be uh, twenty six or thirty songs or something Jeez like that. Jeez Louise! We were just in the studio last week. We cut some songs last week. Um, I posted on the Fear socials. You can see a little. Uh, I, I cut a little video together of some studio highlights and stuff. Nice, um, nice. I'll, I will. I will definitely check that out. Yeah, um, um, jam in the city. Yeah, John just said you love the jam. Oh John yeah, Doom. the first jam oh. album is great. Um, every song just stellar, kick-ass band. Even Glenn liked the jam. That's where he got. That's he where he got thrown in jail. Going to see right at the Rainbow, and Rainbow. and you know who else they liked? You know who they really liked? And it's a great fucking English band, Doctor Feelgood. Uh, the adverts. Oh yeah, the adverts are great oh, yeah. too. Fucking great band, and they and the Misfits loved the adverts. They did in like 1979. That was like Glenn like that band Blitz too, which is uh, love know, Blitz. Gotta die tonight. Like those, yeah, yeah. I, I, really I've strong. listened to them. They're great. Yeah, I remember him speaking highly of that band. Um, I forgot what number I'm at. I, I think you went way over your number. I think you went way over okay. too. Okay, you you just you got greedy there, but that's, that's okay. First so. album is great. <laughs> Um, all right, I'm I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. I'm jumping in, but I'm not gonna recommend top 10 because you already named the whiteout. Like, I'm not even gonna try and walk among stuff. I'm just gonna go, I'm gonna make recommendations. Okay. And my number one recommendation is J Retard Blood Visions. So just good. like a fucking banger of a record. That's number one. Number two, and this is Jason. If you don't listen to this album, I will like be so upset. You have to listen to Dark Thoughts, they're out of Pennsylvania. Okay. out of philly they're called Dar- i'll send it to you i'll send it to you, you don't have to okay, worry about it I will send yeah, it to yeah. you. you have to listen to dark thoughts self-titled record it's 18 it's 12 songs in 18 minutes okay. but with the melodic with with all the all the ferocity of the ramones with like the melodic wonderfulness of the bouncing souls all combined oh, nice. into one and it's like i said you can listen to that record about three to four times in an hour and you will because you'll just listen to it over and over and over again. That's Dark Thoughts, self-titled, everybody. That's number two. Number three, I'm going to go with uh, the Pixies, man. And I'm going to go with their brand new album. Well, they have a newer album coming up, but I'm going to go out with their last record, Beneath the Eerie, because I was really not satisfied with Indie Cindy or that other one that they did. I, I just felt like... It's just Frank Black doing Frank Black songs instead of doing fucking um, writing like the Pixies. It's the same thing if the if if Glenn tried to make a Misfits record today, how could he? You know, every song would just be called like Skull Forest or like you know like Black Roses or some bullshit. Like he just he I don't think he's in that mind. I think you have to be in a mind place to go back to that time. It's very hard. Some bands can do it. A lot of bands can't. Uh, in this case, Frank Black Francis was able to uh find that magic again and beneath the eerie is just a phenomenal true comeback record for the pixies so i would recommend everybody uh check that out i'm gonna also go with fun house because who the fuck was making that in 1970 you listen to literally the like you know but everybody goes oh there was heavier stuff and yes if you really want it nothing's more punky or heavier than john lennon playing bass on helter skelter you listen to john lennon thumping that bass on helter skelter and you're like holy fuck this is punk before punk but then you go to 1970 and they release this album called Funhouse, and you listen to down on the street and you're like Ooh. who the fuck else is doing this in 1970 who's doing tvi who's screaming like that nobody 
is screaming like to the doors in 1970. Uh, okay, okay, like live, maybe, yeah, yeah like, okay, well, and, and Iggy was very informed by the doors, but you know what, they, he wasn't going as hard as Iggy Pop, right. um, I'm gonna give, okay, and then I'm gonna actually go with an Iggy Pop record as my next recommendation, I'm gonna recommend post-pop depression from 2016, mm-hmm. which was, great. you know, yeah, it's a great record, it's a great record, and I'll tell you yeah. something, he, um, you know, I thought that that would be his final record. I didn't think he would do another one called Free, which I'm not really too hip on. Post-pop depression is the punk, the perfect punctuation period on a fucking body of work of a career. Every song, there's like nine songs. And here's what's interesting. It is like a legitimate heir to the Bowie canon, the late Absolutely. German albums, right? Great. Yeah. And on that tour that he did with Josh Homie or whatever his name is, yeah. they were doing only songs from the first two Bowie albums and post-pop depression. And they did repo man, of course. And, uh, and it was just, it was sublime. I saw that at the Capitol as well. I think that's four. And my fifth and final album is going to be murder ballads by Nick cave and the motherfucking bad seeds. Just a fucking. Oh, I was just about to say, if you want to hear, like uh, a friggin' white Australian dude, like do the baddest rap gangster rap you ever heard. Just listen to Staggerly. It's a murder ballad. Murder ballads are traditional folk songs that don't have authors. As a matter of fact, uh, uh, the Grateful Dead have covered a few of these songs as well. I believe they also cover Staggerly. But then you listen to Nick Cave do his arrangement, and it melts your face off. This was this came out in 1994, I think, or 1996. And I'll tell you the what's the opening track called? I forget the name of the opening track. Is just. Uh, a brutal song. You have that wonderful, you have Henry Lee, the duet with PJ Harvey. They were Harvey, dating yeah. at the time and uh, just phenomenal. So those are my five. Okay. Now we're going back in the round Robin. We're going to close out with um, Jason. Give us five movies. Let's just make it five recommendations that you really, really love. Yes. Song okay. of joy. Thank you, John. Song of joy is what it's called. That opening song. Stuff I love. Um, so Times Square is oh. a punk movie that a lot of people with it cool yeah Jim Curry with a fucking amazing soundtrack Elvis yes. Costello is on that uh, yeah 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 oh yeah so good pulling yeah. out the big guns yeah so t- I was just thinking about punk movies but then um so most of my like real joys of watching movies it's pretty embarrassing they're all bad uh <laughs> so like that's okay so number two would be Sleepaway Camp 2, Unhappy Campers. Oh, Bruce Springsteen's sister. Yes, Pamela Springsteen. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's my girl. Um, so, so that's one of my favorites. Okay. I'm going to start going with like a bunch of sequels, I think. Um, sure. Yeah. Uh, Troll 2. Oh, is a number another one? Uh, I'm just gonna go with I'm gonna go with all these sequels and then Times Square. So uh <laughs> Slumber Party Massacre 2 is oh fun. it's the best one, dude. Incredible. That fucking guitar. I love that movie oh. so much. I have so much fun. Uh now I back myself into a corner because I need another two. Oh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Of course. It's so good. I should have just stuck with all twos, but yeah, I'd say those are those are my favorites to watch for sure. Uh, I I love that list. And wait, what, were, what was I about to say about you said about Sleepaway Camp? No, you said Slumber Party Massacre two. And said, oh, Troll two. Okay, Troll three is actually a movie about a killer plant that was originally titled really? Contamination Point oh seven. There's no trolls in the movie Troll three. 
<laughs> it's about a killer plant. I'm I'm super serious. I this have never real. even heard of this. That's yes, crazy. There's a troll three, and it's called Contamination Point Oh Seven. Um, Robert, every day. Holy shit, Robert, your uh, turn. Five. Yeah, give me five. No Dawn of the Dead. No Martin. Oh, Evil Dead Sorry. Two. Okay, Evil Dead Two. That's good. Uh, the Beautiful. thing, the Kurt Russell thing. Okay, it's amazing. Um, dead Alive, Brain Dead, fantastic. Yeah, totally. Uh, Suspiria, 1977. Okay. Uh, one more. Uh, I prefer opera. Just you know, what's a great movie is Manhunter so with it. William Peterson. Okay. Okay. Yeah, Elliot yeah. loves. Elliot made me watch opera. He showed me opera in college. It was so amazing. Oh, yeah. I love it. It's so metal. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! You know what's fucking metal? Um, uh, phenomena oh, is fucking. Metal. Oh yeah, that's true. Iron yeah. Yeah. yeah, I love it. I fucking love it. And then at the very end, spoilers for anybody who has not seen Phenomena, a fucking baboon with a straight razor jumps yeah. off someone's. Yeah, dude. Yeah, it's like a masterpiece. It really is a masterpiece. I love it. I love it. Have you guys seen the last matinee, which is very much in yeah. vain of like the uh, sort of Argento? That's on Shutter. It was on Shutter. Check mm-hmm. that out. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna do five real quick. I'm gonna try and power through this super quick. Right off the bat, we're gonna go with Phantom of the Paradise, one of my nice. absolute so all-time great. favorite fucking films. I have a poster, the Scream Factory poster is right over here against the wall. I don't I don't know if I could turn my thing that far, yeah, but it's yeah. there. And um, I just love everything about that movie. Uh speaking of the speaking of Chicago, uh, my friend used to run a 24-hour uh, horror movie marathon and he asked me what movies do you want to play on the big what should i play on the big screen and i said dude if you can get fan of the paradise do it and he was able to get it and i saw it on the big screen back in 2008 it was fucking awesome i've seen it several times on the big screen love 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 fan of the paradise by the way kevin 45 the guy i was talking about is doing haunted garage documentary he's here in the comments right now and everybody should check out his show on his channel uh, Von Spur Studios. And he says, when I start my Phantom Show, I'll have you on to talk about Paradise. I would love that. We will do that. You, you, you call me, call me, Kevin. That's number one. Number two, number two, number two. Uh, gonna go with uh, the original Mad Max. But Mad Max was my Star Wars. So I, I don't wear my leather jacket because of the Ramones. I wear my leather jacket because of Mad Max. MCP. Yeah, that fucking uh, do right. That's something yeah. that Tank and I, I know you know who Tank is, Jim Tank. Dorsey. Yeah, that's Tank and I have have bonded over that. As a matter of fact, he's, he's cosplay. Oh, that. yeah. As the yeah. as the humongous and people yeah. like people share photos thinking that it's the real humongous, mm. except he's got a fucking misfits tattoo on his arm. Right. Uh, I'm going to be with Tank and his wife, Faye, at the Mahoning drive in where they do Joe oh, Bob nice. Briggs drive in. Mm-hmm. We're doing a marathon of all four movies, Mad Max movies, on May 20th and May 21st. And I'm going to be conducting the Q&A with Vernon Wells, the guy who plays Wes from The Road Warrior. He's going to be there. So I'll be doing the Q&A for both nights. That's right. Uh, Check that out, everybody. The Mahoning Drive-In. That's where they do Joe Bob Briggs thing. We're doing, it's called, it's a mad, 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 mad world to Tank will be there. Faye will be there. It's going to be a really great time. Got to put, and here's the thing. I'm not just picking Mad Max. I'm picking Mad Max US dub. I don't want the Australian track. I like the original dubbed voices that are so weird to me. I just love them. I love the way that they talk. I love I love Fief McAfee's voice. Max, we they say you took away your heroes. 
we're going to give them their heroes. It's just, it's great. <laughs> it's great. That's what I grew up on. I yeah. love Bubba Zanetti's voice. That used like, to play on uh, late night cable when I was a kid. The original with that Mad dub. Max, with, with that, that dub, dub, right? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. That whole monologue, uh, the night, right? Not the night right at the beginning, but when he says, Bubba, Johnny. And he says, <laughs> he says, uh, he says, uh, um, he says, when you look up at the night sky, think of the night rider. And then the, the train conductor, he goes, anything you say. And he goes, anything I say, what a wonderful philosophy you have. <laughs> and I just, there's something about the American accent. It's just so fucking good. All right. Yeah. So what is that? Three? That's um, three. That's yeah. three. Next up, Desperate Living by John oh, Waters. Nice. Yeah. Like the most, one of the most punk. Everybody thinks that Pink Flamingos is the most punk film he made. Female Troubles, punk too, but nothing is more. Talk about DIY, like yeah. just bare, bro, bare bones, just, just, oh, that, that movie. And I hope it gets put on the Criterion Collection. Desperate Living, it's just fucking excellent. And my last movie I'm going to pick is Richard Elfman's The Forbidden Zone. Uh, which I, blind buy in 2005 out of Sam Goody. I saw a frog butler on the back, Hervé, whatever his face is. The, Hervé yeah, he is the king of the sixth dimension. And I'm like, I have, what is this movie? I have to, and then to find out that it's tied into the mystic Knights Oingo, of the, the Oingo Boingo and Danny yeah. Elfman plays the devil. I'm like, this is perfect. Uh, so those are my five recommendations. Very That's cool. Great. That's good. <laughs> What is, what is it? Uh, fee Fiki Five? Fuck you! Is that what? He, is that oh, what they oh. say? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's well, um, yeah, yeah. When they're singing the alphabet song, Golly, yeah, yeah. what a groovy tune! The alphabet is fun. Yeah, he goes fey 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 or fee Five Fiki Five Fo 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 Fiki Five, and that's actually in a Five. Fuck you! Yeah, there you go. Right, Fiki Five. Fuck you. That's in an old Three Stooges short. No shit. Yeah, that's like an old school song. And the thing about Richard Elfman and Danny Elfman and the Mystic Knights of the Oingo Boingo was like, they just like are so into like, they're into all this really old shit, like Cab Calloway and like, um, just like these big lush, like, per, like, like, uh, symphony style productions. And, uh, they just sort of like rearrange it in this kind of crazy, uh, cabaret theater. And they like recycle a bunch of songs like the Yiddish Charleston. That's an old tune. Uh, obviously, Minnie the Moocher they're doing. Um, it just my that actually, soundtrack is great. My introduction to Oingo Boingo was actually Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Because what song is on that? Uh, no one lives forever. It plays <laughs> that's that's the song that's playing when they're like when uh the Sawyers are like reversing in the truck on the bridge. Right. It's such a right, creepy at the beginning. song, it like stuck with me when I was younger. Yeah. Right. Uh, he, that Forbidden Zone soundtrack was like super rare at one point. I had to buy it for a friend of mine in high school. And I think I paid in 1991, I think I paid $100 for it and for, to buy it for my friend who reimbursed me. But uh, anyway, yeah, I that, worth that soundtrack is gnarly, like back to Forbidden Zone for a second. Oh, it's it's a phenomenal soundtrack. And speaking of soundtracks, I have, all right, I'm, we're each going to do a bonus cup because Ace Von Johnson reminded me of something. One bonus cup and we're wrapping this this video because we've been going a long fucking time. And I want to thank you both for your time. This was really- Thank this, you, man. This was yeah, awesome. I really enjoyed this, really. Um, uh, here, okay, Ace Von Johnson reminded me, of, this is one of my all-time favorite films of all time. 
uh, called The Monster Club from 1980. It's a Vincent Price film. John Carradine's in it. So is Donald Pleasance. It, it, it has a crazy soundtrack. UB40 is on the soundtrack. The Pretty Things, um, who was like the competitor to the Rolling Stones in like the early, early 60s. Um, and this band called the viewers, they do a song called monsters rule. Okay. And it's just, it's got three segments. It's an anthology. And then you have a band play in between each segment. It's a, it's a template that I want to re I want to remake this movie. I want to do three anthology shorts and I want to put a bunch of bands in between the anthology shorts, like that's interesting that. bands mm -hmm. and just do that. Cause I think it's such a fun format. So that's my bonus cup. I fucking love the monster club. Uh, who would like to go next? I'll go. Cause, uh, yeah. Cause I, so now that everything was a sequel, that was part two. Uh, <laughs> so, so now I'm doing one more that I should have done instead of times square, love times square, but uh decline of Western civilization part two. Oh, the metal years. Oh, I love it so much. It is so near and dear to my heart. I even like replicated the t-shirt the that was released a long time ago. I love it. So yeah. Wow. That's mine for sure. I love it. Great. That's great. Robert? Uh, so this is a bonus movie? Yeah. Bonus cup. One, one, one movie. Long one. Apocalypse Now? It's a great movie. Oh, one. Apocalypse Now. Yeah. We yeah, do. The long Again, version. Oh, the 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 four hour like twenty minute version. It's great. Yeah, yeah. that's awesome. That it, written okay. by uh, co written by John Milius. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is that man. You that talk talk about a movie that encapsulates a certain period of time so perfectly, right? Yeah. Really, truly. Um, this has been. I have just had such a ball tonight um, with my guests. I really want to thank Robert and Jason so much. Um, check out thank all you. the links. Thank you guys. Truly um, uh, check out Adam age industries. They're just always putting out really cool shit and they're all over the place. They're on Instagram and they're on Facebook and uh, the website. And like I said, double, double fear album is coming with all sorts of guests and surprises. And fear the record is being reissued on May 16th as a box set. There you go. You got a box set coming. 16, fear the record. What's in the box set? Do you know? Tracks. Mm -hmm. Say that again. 60 bonus tracks. 60 bonus tracks. 60 bonus tracks. Oh, my Lord. I mean, yeah. that that will make any fear fan just happy as pie. Absolutely. Um, truly, truly. And these guys have a documentary. Quite, well, here's a question for you. Does it have a name yet? Do you have it a does. name? We destroy is it a the secret? Family. We destroy the family. I love it. <laughs> I love it. We destroy the family. What is it? Fear documentary. Fear I'll put that link in as well. Okay, we are going to say goodbye. Um, I am not going to do the Patreon thing because this is a super long episode and I have a very quick thing I need to talk to these two guys about as soon as I get off. Um, but I just want to say again, thank you, everybody. Thank you for everybody who stayed and watched. We still have 10 people watching two and a half hours later. I'm, I'm, that's, that's awesome. Right. Thanks, um, everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just like friggin' just check these guys out. As we say on the channel, we say peace and hair grease. Um, <laughs> check out the Patreon. We got lots of cool videos. We got the leaving video is up there. The leaving uh, interview is up there. And it's a really, really great interview. All right. I'm ending the stream. Goodbye, everybody. Peace 